good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the listeners of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Today, we are on episode 58. As usual, Will, Jason, bringing the hot, the heavy, the great anime and manga content that you look forward to every two weeks. Um, of course, have to apologize. We are a little bit late. We did encounter some technical issues, but... Uh, I done work. goofed, guys. Yeah, don't worry about it. The GAP is back on schedule. So... Jason, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, you, you, you know, uh, that cage match between us took a little too long. We had to, like, take a shower, wipe the blood off our faces, you know. All is fair in love and war, right? So, Yeah. Um, didn't realize we were going to be switching into an MMA channel, but uh, I guess that's the direction we're going to uh, for today's episode because we're going real knuckles down, knees up, straight into the face with some close quarter combat and hand-to-hand fighting in anime and manga but but you know before we go into that we are we uh have not really have anything to say about news nor do we have anything to say about reading or watching doesn't mean there aren't news doesn't yeah. mean there aren't anything that we are reading not reading or not watching it's just but let's just let's just get something out there first the yeah, reason yeah. why we're not going into any news usually we do i mean of course if there's going to be an adaptation that we're interested in or there's an update in terms of like a cast list or you know whatever's gonna be happening in the upcoming seasons i mean do you uh, listeners do you really want to know that uh the delicious and dungeon trailer is coming out on may 25th there's you a countdown know, on youtube yeah. do you know Hello? that you know we're only several weeks away from the next season of anime, therefore, oh, for, oh, therefore, voice casts are now being fuck. solidified and all that. I forgot about. I literally. Oh my god! I, I I really did forget. Holy shit! Yeah, whatever. I mean, like that kind of stuff. You probably don't care all that much, or if you do, then I mean, you probably would already know about that. Um, but the other half of the news that's been circulating on Anime News Network, Kotaku, uh, or my anime list. Um, discussion boards anywhere really where you can get your enemy news uh, the subreddit as well r slash anime um it's all been very depressing uh it's not good stuff a lot of um crime that's been happening uh in the anosphere oh there is i guess something not necessarily a news story but it is something that i encountered uh my anime list is a website that we use constantly and i'm sure a lot of you listeners do use my anime list, Mal. I'm, I'm sure they would have heard over the last 58 episodes, including this one that we've been doing. It's for great. JP. My anime list is great. Uh, they, Mostly, there's 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 some controversies behind it, but you they, know, we're they not, got we're shut not, down yeah. for like several days. Okay, I didn't notice. Oh, you I, didn't know? I, I still got my Mal updates every day, telling me how low Oshinoko has been dropping in the rankings. I, I think from like the ninth to like the twelfth, it was like hacked, like legit. Yeah, it's probably all the the fans who are not happy about Oshinoko dropping. That's probably what happened. It's okay. I mean, look, like, were 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 you you know hankering for some malaction? Were you really like I couldn't you know, log in my Kengen Ashura. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, first world we problem. You can log it on Netflix by watching it. I suppose. Oh no, I watched it on yeah. Netflix, but I couldn't log it in on my anime list as I was going through. So what it. you have to do? Get pen and paper and start writing down your read watch list. No, well. Will, I'm not that like archaic, but I had to rely on the good old noggin, which was kind of tough. Just, just remember where you were. I mean, the empty void inside my skull, inside my cranium, is kind of, you know, limited in terms of memory space. Okay. Well, 
Um, I, but, I guess, but, but it's all good now. I all guess all that's the, the major bit of news that we have. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, instead of you know, trying to, you know, waffle on what's been going on in the anime and manga world or just talking about what we've been reading and watching, we're not doing that stuff either because what we have been reading and watching is legitimately research and filler for what we're going to be discussing in today's uh, anime topic, which is, as mentioned before, close quarter combat and hand-to-hand fighting in anime and manga. Now, as usual, we I mean we, we can just kind of give like a quick sort of disclaimer or breakdown as to what this topic is about and why we're discussing it. Um, especially when you think, oh, what, like, close quarter combat, hand-to-hand fighting, that, that's just that's just fighting, right? Like, any oh, anime yeah, yeah, has yeah. That, that. Yeah, yeah, that's combat. Yeah. You, you have that in Naruto. You have that in Demon Slayer, Jutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man. Like, what, why, why? All technically accurate. And we've talked the shit about, like, all these series. Why are we, you know, these these are some of the most popular shonen actions in the world. Why, why are we discussing close quarter combat and hand-to-hand fighting uh, specifically. So, Will, why are we discussing close quarter combat and hand-to-hand combat specifically? Yeah. So, this is not necessarily trying to be, like, pedantic or gatekeeping in the way that, like, oh, there is a real, like, specific difference between what happens in My Hero Academia's like, fighting styles versus um, the ones that we'll be talking about later today. But, you but- know, GAP is well known for definitions and disclaimers and being and pedantic, it's also, right? I think it's also just the fact that, like, there are certain anime series and manga series that really, like, take it to heart to try and sort of, you know, create really beautiful bits of art, bits of work in terms of showcasing, you know, really intricate and, like, really beautiful technique in hand-to-hand fighting, in close quarter combat, that's not necessarily deriving from, like, supernatural powers or, you know, just straight up, like, superhero shit. Like, look, we can talk about, you know, like, the the Genos and the One Punch Man fights in One Punch Man series, right? We can talk Great about... fights, We but, can talk yeah. about Gara and Rock Lee being, like, probably the most iconic fight in, in all of Naruto history mm-hmm. um, or, or any of, like, the, the fights that take place in the Soul Society arc in, in Bleach, Right, we 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 know all that shit. We've seen it as kids, teenagers, and adults, and we all love that shit. But if if I can just have like of an ounce of being a, a pedant, those aren't necessarily like sequences of beautifully drawn and coordinated fighting sequences, combat sequences, because there's a lot of like a lot of flair. Yeah, a lot a of lot fantastical of- nature rather than more grounded in reality right yeah. and I, I mean like, for, like to be a little bit more critical it, it definitely is style over substance and not to say that what we're going to be talking about today is just straight dry substance and technique but some of them are done actually in a very beautiful and creative way and we kind of wanted to highlight these series some that we've never really talked much about over the last two and a half years been doing this which by the way holy shit two and a half years yeah, and man. the other half of it which is we definitely have talked a lot about these series, but hey, we we also like these series, so why not? It, 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 give, give me a chance to talk about some of my most favorite martial arts, close quarter combat, and hand to hand fighting anime and manga series of all time. Yeah, so one of the things that I think we should probably uh, stipulate is kind of our context behind it in terms of our personal investment and our background knowledge. So for me personally, I don't know that much about whether it is boxing, uh, martial arts, uh, MMA, all those uh, types of uh, 
uh, competitions I am very unfamiliar with. However, I have uh, worked with, at least when I was at Purdue, um, the, the wrestling team. I was their manager for one, uh, one Dan, year. You were, doing, you were working with collegiate wrestling? Yeah. Those guys are fucking hardcore. Yeah, they were. I have like crazy stories. You ever dude. sit in on any of their training sessions or their routines? Cause yeah. Because I've heard plenty of stories of like the work they put into it. And it's always like, oh, it's just a bunch of meatheads going wrestling and all that. But no, like there's, there's a lot. Cauliflower ears. There's a lot that go into it, you know? I had the very, uh, beautiful opportunity to uh basically buy a bunch of trash bags let's just say before weigh-in uh and had to dispose you had to work you had to work with their weight cuts as well because weight cutting is, is a fucking i was their manager issue yeah 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 and I, I i became friends with quite a lot of them so then i just kind of i guess did more than just be the more i guess uh behind the scenes and just was there m- mostly because I like hanging out with them and they're all like really down to earth cool dudes yeah. but I don't know that much about the sport itself compared to you Will but the fact that you are also like in there behind the scenes helping out with weight cutting I'm sure you also had a hand in sort of understanding their nutritional breakdowns their rest periods and how they should go about doing their workouts in terms of building back up the muscle mass to be able to compete for upcoming competitions and not dehydrate themselves when they're doing weight cuts. It took me a long time to understand in like collegiate or high school wrestling when you uh you know restart and start from the center of the mat and then you just put like a triangle on the person's back. I was like, can someone explain that to me? And it took me forever to really comprehend that. And I just I was just like, so you just put the hand there and then they just get off and that's it. Like then what's the point? And yeah. So you might not have experience or at least much exposure in terms of like looking at martial arts and, and combat sports from a like a spectator perspective. But at least from, from a training yeah. perspective, at least I've seen a lot and, and in some cases like, you know, had hands on experience, not as a coach or assistant coach, but just more of like an assistant to the assistant coach or the coach. Yeah. I know we're going into some very intricate details. These are kind of things that you don't necessarily need to know about, especially when we're talking about the anime series we're going into, because these are things that are deeply rooted into the, the behind the scenes of combat sports. It's not something that a lot of people really see, especially as a fan or a spectator. So we're not really going to go into those unless it calls for it in the specific series. What we're going to do first, however, is actually sort of break down a couple of words and definitions, uh, especially as we go you know, further down the road and talking about these specific anime series that will be featuring in today's topic discussion. So, so how should I call you uh, MMA Senpai and I'm the MMA Kohai? Is, is, is that the, the role reversal? What, whatever you want to call it. All right. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to bring in my, my, my martial arts credentials into this, but um, yeah. Uh, black belt in Taekwondo, two years of Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, so the, thir- the first so thing... So karate mentioned- is, a, is, is a martial art, right? Dude, karate is a fucking hard and, 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 and Taekwondo... I'm just kidding. I'm just Taekwondo kidding. is a performance art, but you can definitely use certain techniques to really blow someone's head off. Um, not that I've ever had to do that. Um, but first things first. So the words I used earlier, CQC or close quarter combat, uh, specifically in these instances, it usually involves two or more combatants involved in ranged or melee combat. By ranged, it can mean like 
you know, using the projectile weapons, firearms. Uh, most often, you use the term CQC or close quarter combat in more sort of like a warfare setting. You know, so it's like engagement between two different forces, typically one side being attackers or uh, you know, on the offensive and the other being defenders or being on the defensive. Now, there's not necessarily like a specific distance that would be counted as close quarter combat. Well, but- for me personally, the, when I first encountered CQC, like the, the term, was when I played the really old PC game SWAT. Okay, I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say Metal Gear Solid. But okay, all right. SWAT, SWAT three was dope, but it was that I was like, "What the hell is a CQC? They're they're using guns. How is it close quarters?" But then I realized that close quarter combat didn't imply necessarily a range per se. Like, yeah, I mean, like a close quarter like combat situation could literally be like you and me sitting like five feet away from each other, or it could be engagement between two forces down a hallway down a corridor or even like a small quarter of a battlefield the the reason why like this is more fit within a militaristic slash warfare setting as opposed to sort of just like street fighting is because it, the aim is not necessarily to just beat up your opponent it's to defuse a situation it's to be able to de-escalate an engagement with an defensive so that's why like for example if we say um, a lot of what happens in like counter-strike a lot of stuff does happen within close quarter combat whether it's throwing knives or you know handgun combat you know you're just literally trying to counteract the opposing forces that are coming towards you so whether it's like an enclosed area that's controlled or whether it is like trying to retrieve hostages from a situation um it's it's basically just trying to as quickly as possible as efficiently as possible remove a threat from an enclosed area so that's where we are going to be using CQC uh, in this particular instance. Now, you can definitely train in specific you know, combat styles through CQC and employ it into you know, mixed martial arts, uh, using it into combat sports. Uh, it, it's not always like, directly transferable. Um, but you, I mean, there's definitely been instances of like, you know, ex-marines or ex-soldiers that you know, through all their years of you know, close combat combat training in the military, then transferred into a boxing ring or transferred into an MMA cage. So that does happen. So for the layman, just to summarize, like close quarter combat, it does not only imply hand to hand. That is kind of the main gist. If if, if we really distill it down to one sentence which is not necessarily a fair thing to do but it is one of those things that i take away from learning about cqc so yeah now cqc does not necessarily mean hand-to-hand combat now you know straight up the words kind of suggest that hand-to-hand would technically mean that like while it does fall under cqc it usually doesn't involve the use of weapons tools guns stuff like that um and a lot of it derives from the the different varieties of martial arts and combat sports like jiu-jitsu uh karate boxing mma uh and cqc is more as you know as mentioned uh militaristic combat so from like a for like you know Let's take a step back into history. From a historical perspective, hand-to-hand combat kind of started from the you know, you know the days of pancration at the Greek Olympics back in 648 BC. Yo, so that was just straight up like it. it so Thermae Rome. It was well, Thermae Rome was probably not even for that far back. 
the Greeks preceded the Romans. Oh shit! Yeah. So um, hmm. yeah. So I, I, I did very well in uh, history class, guys. Yeah. Did you do classics when you were in college as part of your? Um, nah. No. Okay. Nah. I had to. Anyway, I did gender studies. I did too. I, I did. Yeah, I, I did gender studies as well. I did um, language too. Yep. So um, now CQC is much more modern. It actually started uh, and was codified by William Ewart Fairbird and Eric Anthony Sykes during their time in the Shanghai Municipal Police of the International Settlement in Shanghai in the 1920s. So barely a hundred years of, uh, of of history actually within the um, uh, within the world of CQC. So it's um, you know as mentioned CQC neutralizing a opposing threat hand-to-hand is more sort of like just it, it's 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 gamesmanship it's it's right, like competitive sparring it's, it's competition of sorts right so hand-to-hand uh, implies obviously using your hands so does for example using a weapon that is within your quote-unquote range that you would technically use for boxing or sparring purposes does that count as well, you hand-to-hand mean, combat? You mean like using a weapon as in like a knife, a sword, or whatnot? Yeah. Because fencing would technically fall under hand-to-hand. Right. Yeah. What about melee, the term melee? Melee would essentially be the use of, use of you know, arms, blunt force weapons or tools. Um, a sword would fall under that. Right. A, a gun wouldn't fall under that. Unless you're just literally pistol-whipping each other, then yes, that would be melee weapon. Okay. That would be melee range. That would be melee combat. So one of the things that I think we want to emphasize is it's not just bare knuckles or gloves boxing that type that encompasses uh, not only CQC, but also hand-to-hand combat, even though the name implies just hand-to-a-hand. Yeah. Hand-to-hand combat would be sort of more everyday combat whether it's like a street fight or a boxing match late night street fights yeah like a scuffle in the schoolyard or whatnot whereas cqc you're you're literally like out in like the arab deserts or like in the mountains of europe and like trying to neutralize an enemy threat so um yeah you wouldn't necessarily use cqc techniques to fight someone on the streets unless you were a complete badass and you're like a krav maga practitioner uh just trying to instill fear into your opponents to let them know don't fuck with me and i don't fuck with you that's basically it so now that we have gotten most uh, we have all the definitions out the way right well most of them again it's like Like, we're, we're doing the best we can um i mean again i'm not claiming to be a martial arts expert but i have done a lot of martial arts when in my youth and also like i am a very avid fan of you know combat sports so I, I I'm gonna you know spit fire when I can. Uh, I play a lot of fighting games. Does that count, Will? So I think you maybe want to sort of go into a bit on the the fighting game side, right? Because we've talked about fighting games, anime games, and all that. Like actually, like was it episode seven. Uh, episode seven is Dead Days. Okay, so but it was like in the first ten episodes you started talking about fighting, right? Which one was that one? I think it's episode six. Okay, because episode eight is horror, right? So um. Yeah, what do you want to talk about fighting games about? Like, what, what in terms of like its influence in anime and manga? Because a lot of those games have derived from like anime and manga in terms of like the King of Fighters, Dead or, Dead or Alive, Street Grand Fighter, Blue Fantasy is also a yeah. popular one recently. Guilty Gears, kind yep. of you know, still in the zeitgeist. So one of the things that I would just want to mention offhand is that 
anime obviously is the main area of discussion with this podcast, but doesn't mean that anime doesn't have its variants in terms of, in this case, fighting games. Because when we talk about combat, usually when you watch a show or read a manga, there's going to not always be nonstop battles. Even if there's a tournament arc, there might be flashbacks whatsoever, things like that. But when you, you just play- do a double negative, there's not always going to not be a fighting sequence. Yes, Will, there's always going to be a fighting sequence, but what you fight, sometimes it's not physical, it's metaphorical. It's it's within you. It's within you. (laughs) The demon lies within, yeah. But when you play Street Fighter, Tekken, Dead or Alive, Soul Calibur, all those types of fighting games, uh, you actually see the animations that are on screen, you see the moves that are done, and if you play this, unless if you play the story mode, it is just the pure raw combat. And to be fair, I mean, like, like 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 we've mentioned before, a lot of these combat games, these fighting games, have derived from sort of like you know anime manga inspirations. It's, Absolutely, it's, it's like yeah. You, you can't look at Street Fighter and be like, there, there's no influence from anime whatsoever. There's Street Fighter anime. Yeah, and, uh, there and, is a and, Tekken Bloodlines anime on Netflix that and, I don't think we should watch. And there's loads of characters in anime and manga that you watch today that are inspired by existing, you know, Street Fighter or Dead or Alive or. Um, what are games? Yeah, just just any any game really. So it's not to say that like fighting games of yesteryear and anime now are forever intertwined, but you 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 can't ignore the the cross inspiration that both mediums offer for each other. So once we go from video games back to anime, I think one of the things that really, in many ways, is used as a barometer of sorts to determine whether or not a fighting or action scene is dope as fuck, is known as uh, the Sakuga moments. Yeah. So for the longest time when we were growing up, especially when watching like Hunter Hunter, watching um, Yu Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball, Demon Slayer nowadays with the kids. Uh, I mean... <laughs> with I, the kids? Yeah, yeah, sure, we, sure. We, we, we the kids too, you know? Yo. Um, but uh, Give me a heart, bro. But... Uh, when you're when you're watching, especially like for example, when you think about memorable fights in like My Hero Academia and Demon Slayer, it's not necessarily just you know swords clashing and you know people kicking each other and whatnot, but it's you know specific five minute sequences of a specific episode, right? Like for example, the All Might and Nomu fights, or for example, like Tanjiro and the 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 Spider Demon, like those were amazing fights to watch, but. From more of a spectacle element as opposed to a technical element. And this is where you sort of wanted to highlight Sakuga because that's essentially what the purpose of Sakuga is. It is like a, a very noticeable upscale of quality and animation, color, vibrancy. Frames so, per second. It, it's, I mean, like, I wouldn't say that it is like. A massive like jump from like twenty four because usually like standard and anime is like twenty four frames per second, twenty four to thirty yeah, yeah somewhere yeah. there yeah. But if it's sixty, very, have very, you seen sixty frames? It looks. Dude, I, so... I showed you somebody upscaling sort of online from twenty four to sixty. It looks so it looks smooth. Gross. It is gross. It looks gross. So gross. But it does work in some instances if you High know. Q is pretty. If dope, you know though. how to do it right, so. Like those specific instances in My Hero Academia, in Haikyuu, in well, Haikyuu's not a fighting anime, but we're talking about Sakuga, like great animation. Demon Slayer does it well because it's Yufu Table and all that. Um, Sakuga is 
probably like the main highlight of a lot of shonen actions because they're usually not even usually they're 99% of the time the most memorable scene in any anime series that you're watching yeah and sakuka is kind of uh defined as like the moment when your blood gets you know like get a rise out of you your adrenaline is pumping and you're just like fuck yeah hype is literally being shown on the screen let's fucking go let's do this that is the sakuga moments which is usually dictated uh not necessarily by uh how would you say it like an uptick in frames per second but like fluidity just making everything very dynamic i mean let's just talk specifically about demon slayer right that fight uh, was it episode seventeen or episode eighteen? I keep forgetting which oh, one. Oh, season one. Yeah, the the, the fire dance one. I, yeah, I think with, I think with, it was like somewhere there was like eighteen, with, nineteen with the demon spider, right? So you'll notice as well that a lot of times when you're watching Demon Slayer, it's usually a kind of more muted palette. It's a lot of grays, a lot of whites, a lot of red. Um, but of course, when some real hot shit happens, especially when Tanjiro comes in to save the day. His green is a little bit more vibrant. The reds burn a little hotter. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. Like, I don't even have an HD screen I'm watching off of, or I'm watching on a lower resolution. Why do things look so much nicer? And this is where we sort of want to break down a little bit of the behind the scenes in terms of developing Sakuga moments. Now, we've talked about budgeting and getting money from uh, from licensors and property developers to be able to get producers to work on specific series Whenever we talk about money, it always seems like, oh, of course, the Qful table always gets the best projects, and that means they get the most money and all that. Therefore, they can make the best animations. In some ways, in the most simplistic way of answering it, yeah, that's true. But the way that the money is divided is not necessarily down to being like, oh, because we're all well paid, it means that we're all going to work more. No, it usually just means that because you get more money, you get to be able to outsource to more staff, you're able to bring on more people to join on board. But you still need a dedicated group of people who know what they're doing or expertise, right? You need good storyboarding, even though you can have like, unlimited money, if you don't know how to use it, utilize it, it's just as good as zero yeah. in, in many ways, right? In, in some cases as well, knowing when to blur like 2D animation with CGI, like that is a very fine line as well. Because CGI is also expensive Super to Super hard to do. And just because you have the money to use it, you and I have seen plenty of instances where plenty. CGI is just garbage. So my first Sakuga moment in Demon Slayer was uh, when Zenitsu first revealed yeah. his powers that was when he finally closed his eyes and shut the fuck up right and does his awesome shit and that is very very like distilled in my mind as that like short like two minute scene is sakuga moment at its finest and purest where the the camera angle is completely different things change and all of a sudden it reverts back to, I guess, what you'd say, like, more static or more, quote-unquote, normal, right? Yeah, the the non-Sakuga moments, the standard, right? Yeah, and so, I think the yeah. blending of things is very important because yeah. if you just show, like, black and then white and then back to black, it's just like, what, what, wait, what? Yeah, that's why the storyboarding and the cinematography uh, in terms of putting together those sequences are extremely important. Um, yeah, 
budget's not always the case, right? Of course, if you're talking about using CGI, then yeah, budget can be sort of like a a more like finicky thing to talk about. But like, say, for example, like comparing two 3D series, one which is Land of the Lustrous, which has some really amazing, beautiful combat sequences versus X-Arm or Rusted Armors, which are relatively 3D, but also like what the fuck is going on? Some beautifully dumb sequences like terrible sequences right that kissing scene goddamn a lot of garbage in X-Arm. nothing to do with sakuga it's just lighting dude yeah so i think that like yeah comes to no surprise that when we're talking about combat fighting in anime and manga that we have to talk about sakuga now a lot of the series that we'll be discussing in the more sort of like second half, tail end of today's discussion a lot of them won't necessarily have that sakuga moment but that's also not going to be a bad thing either. In the end, just because you have a Sakuga moment does not necessarily mean that you have a great combat sequence or a fighting sequence. It does, however, mean that you have a you know a great crescendo to an action sequence that you know culminates in hopefully the hero beating the villain or you know a major resolution coming up and whatnot. It's more often used as like a plot device as opposed to actually adding more to the the technical perspective of, of combat that uh, we, we want to more highlight in today's discussion. Yeah, and I think one of those things is like when you think about, for example, uh, live action, the movie The Matrix, you think about the awesome like martial art kung fu sequences, but it is you need a choreographer to be able to do, I mean, he's from Hong Kong too, to be able to pull all that off, right? Yep. And if if that person is not there, or for example, in the going back to the context of anime, if the storyboarding is not good enough, or if you don't actually sometimes even act it out, you know, with with uh, 3D CGI uh, dot like dot mapping, is that what would you call that? You mean, oh, you mean where they wear the suits and they have the little yeah. dots and whatnot? Yeah, I, I, to I show know, the yeah. skeleton. But the if you don't even try to see is what is feasible, what's not camera angles, all these like. I guess you can say trickery of the mind or the camera or the composition can really make or break a series. And it's not necessarily mandatory, just like how there are plenty of very impactful action scenes and all there is is like one punch or like, like you know, a sword clashing. But then there is a lot of heavy momentum and emotions that swell up. But that is, again, not the point of this episode's discussion. Yeah. It's more of like, the technical parts, like more of the choreographer than, let's say. Well, I uh, mean, like let's 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 mm-hmm. use like a, a real life example, right? I think we, you mentioned Matrix earlier, right? Yeah, so, I did. So you know the 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 choreographer um, for the Matrix, Yun Yu Mo Ping. Ping. Yeah, yeah, so he was actually you know the the main guy, the one who coordinated He's the all one. the fighting scenes. He is technically the one uh, for the Matrix, the Matrix Reloaded, as well as Matrix Revolutions. But he was not on board for the fourth one, The Matrix. I forgot what it's called. I didn't even watch it. I didn't it. watch it. I heard people say it was pretty damn good, too. But the big drop-off was the combat sequences, the fighting sequences, were not nearly as good as what the first three were. And it was because Yun Wu-Ping was not there. Of course, there were a lot of complications in terms of COVID. Scheduling for filming was always going to be tough. Uh, flights were pretty much non-existent at that at that point, so I, it was always going to be hard to be able to get him in. But you could see, like especially like in Matrix One, holy fuck, 
Some of the fighting sequences were absolutely brilliant. Bombastic for sure, but like fucking great. And that just shows that the importance of having a choreographer when you're trying to create very slick, technically beautiful, but also very accurate and exciting fighting sequences in, in film. And you yeah, you can throw money at to get someone that has that level of expertise, but it is not always guaranteed. And especially when going off of the X-Arm thing, when you go from 3D live action director to anime 3D yeah. and you try to be like, oh, it's the same thing. It's like, no, no, bro. No, it's not. mm -mm, mm -mm. You got to really know how the joints move, how the camera angles swing from one end to another. You just, you just have to have that kind of not only knowledge, but experience in being able to handle what's on screen and how you want to portray your vision to the viewers and, actually create something that makes sense as a combat scene. Um, now, we spent a lot of time talking about combat in general, but there's one thing that I think we we kind of already you know, glossed over a bit, um, but want to make sure that everybody sort of understands where we stand in this particular discussion, um, that just because there is a scene that has uh, an action sequence does not necessarily mean that it is a close quarter combat or hand-to-hand fighting sequence. The one example that comes to mind would be in season three of Final Fantasy, uh, of Attack on, Attack on Titan, uh, not final, but the third season with Levi. Oh, the city? Yeah. Yeah. And the, Spider-Man? And the little escape that he has using his uh, air maneuver gear, right? As amazing as that sequence is, it's probably one of the greatest sequences in anime, uh, at least within the last like 10 years. Holy shit. Super cool, super slick. Definitely a lot of fighting going on, but I would argue that there's not necessarily a close quarter combat sequence. You know, we talk about like chase scenes, you talk about like trying to essentially like ascend from one point to another just because there's a lot of things happening that not does not necessarily mean that you would consider that to be a combat sequence or a hand-to-hand fighting sequence it, it's i think the, the line is quite thin i get that but the spectacle itself is more down to the usage of the air maneuver gear and traversing throughout the city to be able to escape from a from a threat right from an a- a- adversary right and i think another thing that we also want to uh to, i would want to take this time now to kind of uh, clarify is just because you don't have high, crazy choreography or like unlimited budget, so to speak, does not mean that your action scene is bad by default. It could be very impactful. It could even be very good. But it may not be within the realm of what Will and I, in this case, would say is technical in terms of the fighting itself. Like, I mean, for example, like, if we talk about like the old school Dragon Ball or even like the modern day like JoJo's Bizarre Avenger, when they're just punching each other with like the flashes of right, fucking amazing scenes to watch. Hype as shit. Those are not necessarily like technical fighting con- like, like combat sequences though, right? So like, we're we're not saying that one is bad and one is good. We're just saying that they're, they're different. different. Right, so you can't compare. You, you, wow, I'll yeah. you, I'll you a Coke. Yeah, okay, uh, thanks. I, 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 we, we can't like say like, oh, this is an apple, this is an orange. They're the same. No, they, they're completely not. They both have great benefits to, to 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 one another, but 
they're not like similar in this particular aspect. And that's the genesis of this episode is to highlight the ones, uh, the scenes or the anime series that really do put an emphasis on the more technical and the more uh, you know technique or I mean that's technical the the technique oriented kind of scenes, right? Yeah. And we also fully admire amazingly animated very beautiful like explosive anime action sequences too like i mean like what what would you let's say like let's talk about like my hero academia would you say that outside of all might and nomu that one of the most iconic fights would be todoroki and uh deku oh in the tournament arc yeah Yeah. 100 percent. i think stain's fight is also sick too and i think actually that is in an enclosed space that is actually more that, quote, and quote hands uh, yeah that has, is close like, close quarter comic yeah because they they need to take down a villain but the villain also needs to incapacitate his pursuers as well exactly. that would technically be cqc but when it comes to deku and todoroki that's not necessarily close quarter combat that's not really hand-to-hand fighting because there's a lot of superpower shit going on yeah or like gravity girl against uh bakugo right Bakugo. Was that the the fire the explosive guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Bakugo. Yeah. Uh, in the in, in the same tournament arc that uh, we're mentioning with Deku. Um, yeah, exactly. The they are fantastical in nature, but you're not going to be able to pull any of that off in in this current reality. Yeah. We so a lot of the stuff we talk about, most of it is more grounded in reality. Of course, you know, the creators, the guangakas and the animators are going to take some liberties in terms of stretching the world of imagination and reality and try to blend the two. But for the most part, we're, we're, we're going to be strictly, you know, talking about human level combat and not like... Oh, I'm I'm gonna blow your head off with a explosive. Like I've got. Like, oh, like you're not gonna have chainsaw for hands? You mean? Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to emit like glycerol from my fingers and ignite it with the click of a finger. So, Will, what kind of uh, studios do you think are well versed in these types of sakuga technical fight? hand-to-hand combat scenes. Just like we've broken down what we think are the the fluffiest, the comfiest anime studios when it comes to animating Slice of Life, we've also got some real dark, gritty, knuckle-dusting studios that just make amazing fighting and action sequences in the world of close quarter combat and hand-to-hand fighting anime and manga. So I think the two that really kind of like stand head and shoulders above everyone really, uh, there is one that has come in more recently in the last five years, but uh, I would say that pretty much at the top of it would be Wit Studio and UFO Table. It's kind of hard to knock those two because, yes, Wit Studio have kind of, you know, diverged a bit and work on different kinds of stuff, you know, like action comedy, action romance and whatnot. But UFO Table has been, like, consistent in terms of the sort of work that they do. Very much action-based, very technical, but also, like, more on the spectacle side. You know, especially when we talk about UFO Table, we've talked about you know, fucking Demon Slayer. Let's not forget about our own personal favorites, Garden, Garden of Sinners. Sinners right? Let's, l- l- my God, that Garden of Sinners is going to be one of those shows, one of those long-running series where we will not stop talking about because it is just so worth your time and investment to it, just check it out. If it gets on streaming, if you're able to get the DVDs and whatnot. Hey, we, we paid up for it, so, you know. And it was fucking worth it. Um, yeah. And then let's not forget 
the Fate series as well. Fate Stay Night, Fate Zero, Limited Blade Works. I mean, when I showed you that Tsukihime trailer, trailer for the visual novel, right? Yeah, like the remake of the visual novel. I lost my mind. I watched it like three times because there was like that action scene. I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll shut the fuck up. You guys are good. Yep. God and, damn it. And then if we go on to the Wit Studios side, Attack on Titan, Seasons 1 through 3, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, they had some really good fights as well. Uh, Villain Saga Season 1, Vivi, Floret Eyes Song, Ranking of Kings, Spikes Family, all of them have very good combat sequences. And what's great about these two specific studios is, yes, they're renowned in terms of producing really good quality work. But the notable thing about these two these two specific studios is that every year, they don't work on more than two productions. They usually work on one thing at a time, or they have two teams split up to work on two separate things. It's notable, for example, that Spy X Family, whilst it was with Studio, they also worked in conjunction with Cloverworks because they were still working on other things at the same time as well. So that's pretty much like going down to the whole budgeting thing. Yes, they might have gotten a lot of money to work on that stuff, but it also meant that they were able to consolidate the resources to focus on one amazing thing or two really great things. So speaking of personnel and manpower, I think in the realm of obviously uh, anime, but also manga, it is extremely difficult to find someone with a level of expertise that is able to kind of structure or choreograph a fight scene, right? I mean, for example, uh, going back to The Matrix, you could find a lot of uh, choreographers that can do fight scenes in live action. You, you, the, uh, there's just a lot of demand for people in that realm. But in anime and manga, at least I'm not saying that they don't exist because obviously they do, but I would say way less so, right? It's not that it, – it's a very unique skill set. You know, especially when it and comes to limited too. I mean, like, would you rather be a studio that makes one amazing production, like let's say you you make you make Attack on Titan season three, or you could be JC Staff and make five productions in a year. You could be Cloverworks and make seven productions in a year, and all those works can be either really good or kind of meh. But you know, you're also like pumping out consistent work. But you'll also notice that in terms of like the animation quality, whilst it might look beautiful, it's not like super like exquisite and bombastic. And not, not, not to knock on Cloverworks. Yeah, it looks course. great, but let's be real. Right? Yeah. You're, we're compare, you're comparing with Studio and Cloverworks and UFO Table. You're not the same. And, and I am not an industry insider, but I know at least looking at behind-the-scenes videos of live actions – that when you choreograph an action scene, it is a painstaking process. It's not just, oh, smooth, let's just oh, bang this out. Okay, you hit them, stop, let's just go. It's actually very time-consuming and lengthy. And I can only imagine that the process within anime or manga, if you want to really take it to the level of expertise that some of these shows that we will be recommending later on in, the, in, in this episode, it's really really hard yeah another series another studio that i wanted to bring up before talking about like the main two that like i think we can have some good discussions about uh is bones 
So Bones had done like Space Dandy, they done Noragami, they also did uh, My Hero Academia, Bungo Stray Dogs, uh, I believe. So why they... not Mappa? I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to not going to Mappa yet. Oh, oh my bad. Right? My bad. Sorry. You, you would have seen it in the docket. Um. So uh, yeah, I caught you there. Uh. But Bones Bones is like really really good too. But. <sighs> It's it's hard to like really knock on Bones, but like if you were to compare like the animation quality from Yufu Table and Wood Studio to Bones, like Bones has got Mob Psycho, they got My Academia, Blood uh, Blood Battle uh, Blood Blockade Battlefront, BBB, uh, they all look really sick too. But I would kind of just they're give, all fantastical though. Yeah, I yeah, and I would kind of give the gold medal to Yufu Table and Ritz Studio. They can be on the podium themselves. Right, but Bones definitely worth a mention here. Now, before we go into the big one that you just mentioned there, I kind of wanted to have a special mention of Studio Orange. Yeah, because there's mm-hmm. not many studios that do good 3D. Oh no, and then Polygon Pictures is a very fine animation studio. Will, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, at Spiral, like as much as they are a good studio, they're not a great studio. I, I like to knock on Polygon Pictures, but I I, I do think they produce very solid 3d works but unfortunately in my honest opinion it doesn't it pales in comparison to studio orange it really does yeah you can sit in your high chair as long as you want it's a uh trigon stampede was pretty nice did you finish past episode two no but it looked pretty nice did i stutter (laughs) i said it looked nice yeah okay sure but like again orange Renowned for not only making really good animation, but making really good use of CGI and 3D animation. And it's very rare in anime and manga, like extremely rare to get good 3D anime. And because a lot of people have, you know, tried and failed. Or they've tried and got mediocre reception. I'm not going to be sitting here and saying that Polygon Pictures is an amazing studio. They have done some good work, but it's you know it doesn't necessarily hold a candle up to the level of quality you see. I mean, like look, like Land of the Lustrous, B Stars, Orange is really fucking good. Um, I mean, what, what, what's your take in terms of like the use of pure 3D in animating action sequences, particularly like you know in 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 the short instances of us watching the revamped Trigun Stampede, in terms of you know both of us watching some of B Stars and watching all of you know what's out for Land of Lustrous, like do you, would you say that like it's it's also one of those incomparable situations between Studio Orange and Wit or Studio Orange and UFO Table because the spectacles there, I mean some of the fights in Land of Lustrous are amazing. I think one of the things that in my opinion, uh, Studio Orange does really well is the implementation of 3D in terms of how, quote-unquote, the camera movement pans, right? With Trigun, um, even with Beastars, and even with Land of the Lustrious, the camera moves very dynamic as if it's, like, traveling with the characters very much akin to, like, a one-take, like, shot. It makes it almost feel like it's filming a live action. Exactly, and... When you, you know, compare that to, you know, everything that is not 3D, generally it is almost like extremely difficult, borderline impossible or very expensive, right? You know, we think of things like uh, A1 Pictures and Sword Art Online, for example. Some of those scenes are very dynamic and similar in terms of like uh, philosophy or vibe, right? But it just is not that feasible when you can have a 3D space 
as a 3D anime and literally maybe show different angles and determine, oh, this angle is better than that angle. Whereas in a 2D space, you literally have to rely on the main storyboard and that's all you can stick to it. Now, maybe that's not the case, but at least that's how I feel is at least more similar to how I would envision that process to be. Yeah. I mean, like for sure when it comes to like animating 2D anime and animating CGI slash 3D anime, it's very clear that one takes a whole lot more work and manpower to be able to achieve greatness as opposed to the inverse. Yeah, and And when it's hybrid, it's even harder. It's harder to choreograph and storyboard. You got to really figure out like how are you going to blend those two without it being too jarring, right? There's always going to be a juxtaposition between the usage of 3D and 2D within one specific episode. But if you're going to use it, you got to know how to make it work. I mean, I just think that in Land Illustrious, the scenes that involve Diamond, whether it was her traversing in the very early parts of the season to that very infamous fight scene that she has... It is something that, in my opinion, is impossible to be done in 2D, or at least not that well implemented. And yeah. that's just the benefits of 3D. Well, yeah. And also the fact that we haven't seen it in 2D as well. But I think you and I would imagine, like, if it was to be animated in 2D, it probably wouldn't work. It would be really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. the, the bar's already been set, right? To be able to you know deconstruct all that and make it into a 2D format. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and speaking of not going to be easy, it also explains why Studio Orange don't release stuff very often. They only release stuff once every year, once every two years. I mean, there was a gap between like B-Star and B-Stars 2. There's a gap between um, working on B-Stars 2 and releasing Track and Stampede. Uh, B-Stars 2 is now coming out in 2024. I think it's third season, right? Not oh, sec- final season. Final season. season. Yeah, yeah final third season. season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, uh, they, take, they can take their sweet time because... Um, regardless of how I feel about Trigun Stampede, it looks sick. It is awesome, especially like for that first episode when he uses that bullet to ricochet. I'm just gonna say that. Now I won't say how it's being used. It was a very. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. You know, bullet storm. Yeah, fucking majestic. Yeah. It really is done extremely well. Yep. Now we got to get into um, probably the most controversial and contentious studio that's on this list. Um. I don't know why we're doing a list, but we're just going to list them anyway. Mappa Studio. Now, they have not stopped working ever since they took on board the project of Attack on Titan final season. And since then, they've just been steamrolling with a bunch of works to the point where it's like the reason why it's hard to sort of put them up as the gold standard is because of the amount of controversy and bad news that comes out from that studio ranging from the criticisms of the quality in Attack on Titan Final Season Part 1 which I don't think is that bad but to but the criti- but then to the allegations of overwork and lack of pay and hella lack bad. Of sleep yep. right um it, did, did someone do a wellness wellness check we we need to get someone on that please. yeah i think we checked in maybe like two three months ago no one's gotten back to us yet so uh please if you hear from us you know morse code works too if you don't want to send anything uh you don't want to leave any paper trail uh but like look they have worked on a fuck ton of stuff. And it's not just Attack on Titan, right? We're talking about Banana Fish, Dororo, Dorohedro, God of High School, Jujutsu Kaisen, the Eta 10 Deities Only No Peace, No Only Peace, uh, Tact Op Destiny, Chainsaw Man, Villain Saga Season 2, which they also took from Wit Studio, uh, and currently running Hell's Paradise. 
all of them look great. All of them look fantastic. But what about JJK? Uh, JJK as well. Like they're oh no. I mean, oh yeah, as Jujutsu Kaisen after God of High School. Oh my bad. Yeah, I uh, really do like God of High School. I have yeah. a soft spot for it though. But like the thing is, and it was actually like kind of clear as well when you compare Vinland Saga season two and Attack on Titan final season in comparison to the original studio, which is with studio who had done it previously. It, it's noticeable in terms of like the the drop in quality. You know, it, it's not a massive drop, but you can definitely tell that you know something's not quite the same anymore and you can say that i'm being nitpicky but it's you know it's just down to sometimes the animation's not being as smooth as what it was at wood studio and i feel that that's kind of the same with some of the other stuff they do um and it, it really just comes down to just working on like three four projects all in one go just not having enough people to be able to work with short deadlines yeah and Playing devil's advocate, at least with Attack on Titan specifically, I think Wit Studio had it down pat, you know, because they had so many episodes to work on, whether it's their system or the way of doing things, such that when you then handed it off to MAPPA, who has a large number of studio, a large number of personnel, but also a large number of projects, sometimes a lot of the the craftsmanship is not necessarily uh, lowered, but it is dispersed into all of these different projects instead of like the one or two projects that maybe an animation studio would typically have, right? And I mean, you can't get uh, Paint like on like 50,000 yeah. different projects. You can get them on maybe two or three, right? Yeah. Imagine like you say, we're going to do five Matrix movies in one go. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to be working on all five of them. I can work on one of them. And you'll notice that there's going to be a difference between that one Matrix movie and the other four. Yeah, exactly. So it's not necessarily a knock per se, but it is like a noticeable difference. I would definitely agree with that for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that mostly wraps up the the studios that we wanted to highlight in this particular section look there's going to be other studios that also i mean look like the old school madhouse was also pretty sick too right uh there's going to be like some stuff that comes up from like tatsunoko productions or dogokobo or cloverworks that would also look really sick too but i think that when it comes to talking about mappa with studio ufo table orange bones um they all have very noticeable works that just that just look awesome, right? Um, I, I think yeah, I yeah. think like like we. What, what, I what mean, did think, you take? think think about One Punch Man season one and One Punch Man season two. Like that is maybe not necessarily the fairest. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's just like plain, painfully obvious, right? Right, but it it does highlight the whole action scene in terms of a different studio having a different take or necessarily a different way of doing things. Maybe even up to the budget or the craftsmanship, or just being able to output the same level of demand and quality that is expected and sometimes unfairly expected, right? So uh, it is an extreme case, but that just highlights kind of the contrast between a studio that maybe has one project and has to scrounge up and really pour their blood, sweat, and tears, and the other have... 50,000 things, and oh, by the way, uh, we should put more resources into Railgun. Oh, yeah, yeah, we totally should. Yeah. 
So of those five studios, Bones, UFO Table, Wit Studio, Orange, and Mappa, would you crown a champion amongst the five of producing some of the best fighting slash action sequences? Or do you just feel that it's 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 just like there's no really no comparison because they're all good at doing their own specific thing? Mm, I mean, it is, it is extremely yeah. difficult because... Because you can't really talk about MAPPA without talking about what studios, since two of their biggest properties, which was Finland Saga and Attack on Titan, both of them have shared history amongst MAPPA and Wood Studio. And personal bias to Studio Orange aside, right, it's, main, it's almost exclusively 3D anime compared to everyone else, which is But either, also, like, one specific series, which is Land Illustrious, right? Exactly. I mean, I do think Beastars do look fantastic, and Trigun Stampede does look fantastic, but... Uh, it, who it, did who did Gantz? Was it also was it Polygon Pictures? Gantz, holy shit! I don't remember. Like I think Gantz Zero is like the the the, the one the that's 3D. on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the old school Gantz, like the really old one, I don't even remember. Oh, I was I'm I'm pissed off about Gantz to be honest in terms of how it was treated. Maybe less so with Gantz Zero because it actually is is okay. Oh, Gantz Zero was Digital Frontier. That was a production company. But what about uh, the anime series, Gantz? Uh, that one was done by Gonzo. Rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, no, actually, Gonzo is still, still, around, still around. But I mean, you know. I mean, not- let's talk about right before the break. So this is going to be like the worst time, but I'm just going to lay it out there. We like Records of Ragnarok a shit ton. The manga. The manga. What we, do we, we think about? We will talk about it a bit more in the uh, the second half. But um, yeah, I totally did not vibe with uh, the first season. In fact, it was it was basically like whenever I saw a lot of YouTubers doing watch alongs of uh, record record of Ragnarok, um, it was more laughs than cheers because of the fact that the animation quality was just comically bad. But um, okay, I crowned. I, I know uh, the my. You know, uh, number Pinnacle, one, okay. UFO table, hundred yeah. percent. It, it's since, it's hard. It's since hard. Garden of Sinners, all the way till like for a video game of Tsukihime, all the way till Demon Slayer. It is un- uh, undoubtedly. How dare you forget about Fate Stay Night? Well, not Fate Stay Night, but Fate like Unlimited, unlimited Blade, Blade Works. works. Yeah, yeah, sure. And Fate Zero. And but uh, yeah, they I mean the, no, yeah, and, they're 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 uh, basic. They're just what, what's good. the third uh, route called? Uh, root route. Heaven's End or Heaven's something. Heaven's End. It's not Heavenly Delusions. No, definitely not. Which is also good too. I mean, it's the trilogy of movies, right? Oh, production IG. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, I do want to give a special shout out to another studio that we have not Heaven's mentioned. Feel. Heaven's Feel. Thank you. Uh, there is a. It's not Studio Trigger, by the way, as as the studio that I'm talking about. It's studio Kafka. Oh yeah. So they did the Evangelion remakes. And those look fucking dope. I mean, the original Evangelion is still timeless classic. Like, it's, it's fantastic, right? But the remakes are just so good, too. They look good. I mean, I have not really watched it all the way through. I don't want to, like, lose my mind. Yeah. You want to end your thoughts there and then go into a break? Yeah. All right. We're going to come back uh, with some more discussions about uh, combat in uh, anime and manga and also list some uh, some series that we think would be worth checking out. Wait, are you, are you going to fight me about it? No, I'm not going to fight you about it. Unless you start talking shit about my favorite King of Ashura character. Well, then let's fight. 
into the second half of episode 58 of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Will is over here checking out his screens. I am over here looking at Will checking out his screens. Why are you going to talk about my screens, man? You know my screen broke down. It was so heartbreaking, literally, the other day. You know what I was watching? I was watching Shikigui, which we're going to be talking about later today. And then halfway through an episode, all of a sudden, my screen just blew out and uh, had to move away from my large curve monitor to now using a regular-ass 1080p monitor. Sad days. Sad. But at least I got it, you know, returned. And also, uh, they're going to be sending me a new one. So Yeah, because it's within the warranty, right? Very lucky it was within the warranty. I was only four months away from the warranty being busted. So, uh, yeah. Uh, heartbreak aside, we are going to be going into the second half of today's discussion. We went over some studios, some definitions and breakdowns of what the fuck we're talking about. And now we're going to go into some specific anime fight sequences that's uh, maybe you've been talking about some manga stuff, too, um, that uh, Jason and I have experienced. Again, uh, just to remember as well, Jason himself is not a mixed martial arts practitioner, nor am I a MMA expert, but I am a massive fan of the combat sports. And, uh, you know, Jason's also you know taking part in some uh, some training, being able to help people weight cut and all that. That stuff is actually super gruesome. So, um, yeah, props it's just kind of gross. A lot of garbage bags, a lot of like hot tubs, a lot of saunas. Uh, not hot tubs, but saunas plus extra, extra layers of sweatshirts. So, so throw a garbage bag on top of that, too. Get on the fucking like a uh, uh, a cycling bike. Elliptical or, or machine. Yeah, 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 definitely. All that it is an extremely... Uh, Personally, very dangerous actually, for your health, actually, honestly. B- b- before we even actually, there is like an anime, there actually not an anime related thing, but there is actually like a um, a, a a doctor uh, or at least someone that has a, a doctorate in uh, sports science um, that actually decided to undergo weight cutting himself to show how bad the effects of weight cutting is. It's actually a very insightful but also like kind of shocking video to watch because dan that guy puts himself in some real serious situations like he has one of those sort of like chambers which legitimately it's 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 just basically a massive sauna within within the lab and uh yeah the extremes they go into have you ever seen anybody with a weight cut gone bad uh no uh thankfully um because i was always like right there and obviously, I wasn't the only one that's right there with the athletes, right? So uh, I'm not to say like, oh, I am the sole person that helped, you know, mitigate some of the potential uh, pitfalls that comes from cutting water weight. Like, what's what's the term for like when someone like legitimately dehydrates so much to the point that they ha- they have like an electrolyte deficiency? Like something happens with like their their body, like their their nervous system. Because of the lack of electrolytes. Oh shit! Uh, but that's hypotoxicity. A, a, that's like the, through the lack of water in your body, right? To regulate your 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 actual oh, bodily sh- functions and whatnot. There is there is a term for it. Yeah. Fuck. I actually don't know yeah. off offhand. But okay. But we we mean we're not talking about medical science here. We're talking about anime and manga. So you'll be forgiven for not remembering it at the top of your head. Um, so let's just go straight into some of the um, the more notable combat and fighting sequences and scenes that we have seen in anime. Is it like hyperthermia? Well. 
Hypothermia would, would is to due to heat. I I thought that's hyperthermia. Hypo wouldn't be. Wouldn't, I said hyper. Oh yeah. Okay. Because hypo is the cold. But then, so, but then, like, would that then be in conjunction with the lack of water in your body as well? Yes, I think it is due to the imbalance of, as you said, electrolytes due to, in the case of, like, for example, being in a sauna, like extreme, extreme dehydration, heat. Yeah. Because usually uh, heat leads to dehydration. Yeah, you know how like they osmosis. Have, you know how they have those like crazy sauna competitions up in like northern Europe where they legitimately sit in like no hundred like no they there there's some hardcore people to the point where they they kind of some of them unfortunately push past their limits and like, to the point of no return. Uh, rest in peace, those Shit. ones. Shit. Yeah, it, it's gruesome. Um, yeah, let's let's switch back into some more rosier stuff in terms of anime and manga. So. Um, you, you know, not a practitioner in martial arts. Me, haven't done it in a long, long time. But we just still... because I'm Asian doesn't mean I know kung fu. Yeah, let's 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 be clear, right? I don't know kung fu. I, I know, do. I... I know taekwondo and Brazilian jiu jitsu. I don't know kung fu. And and I do know that uh, taekwondo is not Japanese. Yeah, thank fuck. Good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, karate okay is Japanese. Yeah, it's almost actually kind of like judo is it, Japanese. It, it, it's, it's actually kind of discriminatory as well, where it's like, oh, you're Asian, you know karate, right? It's like, oh no, that's not. Do you know how experience. many times I've heard like, oh, is it like kung fu fighting? You know that song, Jason? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, thank you. How many you. Bruce Lee's, Jackie Chan's? Oh yeah, or wax Jet on, Lee's wax Lee off, motherfucker. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Last well, karate kid. First go. of all, Mr. Miyagi's Japanese. I'm I'm Chinese. You know. Yeah, exactly. Right. But hey, that was a pretty good movie, actually. Yeah. So we've watched. I mean. Let me ask you a serious question, Jason. You've okay. watched you've watched a lot of anime, right? Uh, I would like to think. <laughs> is this like the equivalent of me asking you, "Hey, you like Will, anime, you right? like anime, you right? Like, you like, you like manga, manga, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right." I watch a lot of anime, Will. And whilst you like definitely have a preferred genre or theme in terms of the sort of anime you like to watch, there's definitely been a lot of shonens, a lot of actions that you've watched. And you're like, "Damn, that that shit was fucking sick." So I actually wanted to kind of spring this on you unexpectedly but you kind of segued way in it to it for me which is it, it uh, i am obviously someone that is not well versed even in the technical elements even in terms of mma i'm just not i don't know like the different holds i don't even know like i, I know there are different weight classes but i don't know like what from what weight to what weight i know some stuff but the point is in the realm of anime and manga for me, the choreography of it is not necessarily always uh, a thing that I gravitate towards when well, it comes to action. You don't necessarily go through like, the technical analysis, but you kind of embrace the spectacle of it. Yes. Uh, I mean, in many ways, like if you were to swing swords, you know, and then that's it, but then it is done well, uh, to me, it is something that I can at least very much appreciate like easily. Whereas with some of the shows that we're going to be talking about, it is extremely difficult for me to get that extra level of appreciation because I just don't have that knowledge, even with a narrator kind of giving me the, the short and skinny of certain things, right? It's just very different when you are either more personally invested or you just have more context, right? But it is very easy for me to kind of assume like, oh, it's superpower. So it's within the realm of my hero academia. It's within the realm of the fantasy. So it is trying to ask for something very, very realistic is 
is is is like a different thing entirely. It's the same I would assume for like the general anime manga fan as well. They're not going to be watching a fight scene and being like, "Oh wow, that fucking like headlock was sick." Oh, that heel hook was fucking slick. Yeah, I'm not know? a swordsman. I don't know if uh that that you know that fight choreography between these two samurais is authentic or not. But it looks good. It looks kind of cool. But to me, it it uh, the 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 know how is lost on me. Yeah, but I mean, again, you're not exposed to those techniques. You've never used it yourself. It's not going to be something that you're going to be looking out for when you're watching these kinds of fighting or action sequences right more often than not you'll get to be like that was a sick ass punch that was a, a really cool sort of brawl between two super overpowered human beings or demons or whatever it may be but that um, being said some of the shows that we're talking about is very much grounded in concepts that i can always get behind like the underdog story or fighting until your last dying breath or going against all odds, David versus Goliath type. Calling upon the power of friendship, that kind of stuff, right? Listen, Naruto made so many friends along the way I and mean, saved so many people doing it, right? Why, why don't we start with Naruto then? In terms of Naruto, like, look, over 700 episodes between Naruto and Shippuden, a load of movies in between, and now you want to include, you know, in terms of canon, the, the Boruto stuff as well. As much as it gets memed, they've got some really amazing fight sequences. I can spoil a bit of Naruto, right? It's been like fucking ages, you right? Could, dude, Not even Shippuden. That I'm you, talking about OG Naruto. You could spoil whatever the hell you want in Naruto because I don't believe that anybody that's listening to this right now or anybody who will in the future has not read or watched Naruto. I think that there is a very long, drawn-out sequence that is awesome that involves uh, Sasuke and Naruto versus, I forgot the tall dude's name, but I think the boy is called Haku. Oh, like okay, legitimately like deep with the in, mirrors, deep early in the fr- yeah Haku, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So there was like the mirror and water, and the the whole sequence of a certain I don't know what what do you call that large ass shuriken that is like a windmill. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, let's just, it's just call it a shuriken for now. Shuriken windmill, something like that. Yeah, that whole sequence is so well done and also has so much choreography behind it, especially like at that time when I watched it and I didn't really understood a lot of like, you know, like holds grappling. You know, I didn't even know the difference between a hook and a jab at the time. But I can at least appreciate, be like, yo, that's some sick ass shit that is dope obviously everyone goes to the rock lee garu fight like there's no doubt in a gara fight there's no doubt in my mind that that is extremely like the pinnacle of naruto fight scenes right and i guess also naruto and sasuke's infamous fight scene at the end of naruto before shippuden zabusa zabusa momochi and haku those are the two people they were fighting yeah in that really cool sequence it, it, it lasted like three it was episodes brutal dude like in the, and especially in the manga when they show like the i don't know what do you call it not needles but it's like it's like chopstick length needles yeah the needles yeah like for acupuncture that kind of thing like it goes through like their arms and shit i was like dude that's fucking brutal cuz it's not like an arm chopped off it's like it's in the body 
is lodged there. It's just so memorable to me growing up reading and then watching uh, Naruto at the time. And I don't remember that much about Dragon Ball Z. Of course, there are plenty of hype moments. But there were more of like, I'm just going to power the fuck up and it's going to be super hype yeah. versus like an actual drawn out battle. And it went on forever, as you said, right? Yeah. And it just never, it, it was just like, I, I, it was tense. Yeah. But again, that would be more on like spectacle as opposed to like fighting technique and whatnot, right? Yeah. I, I don't really remember like. Well, about Rock Lee and Kimimaro, the drunken, drunken fist out in the field. Rockley and Gara, even though Gara is super powerful with his ninjutsu and genjutsu, that's uh that you have to just see the spectacle of Rockley taking off his leg weights, dropping them. I mean, yeah, of course that scene is is like best number fi- one, best fight, best fight, best shonen classic fight scene. Like you, that would be like ranking top top three at the very least for most people. When we're talking about like most classic greatest. Shown in fact, fighting sequences of all time. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I I think that is without a shadow of a doubt in my yeah. mind, at least. Yeah. So for sure, you might have your own favorite. I mean, there's so many, dude. Over seven hundred episodes of Naruto across with Shippuden as well. There's bound to be a favorite fight for a different favorite fight for everybody. But so. with the Haku fight, it was so early on to have it really. It's almost like as you were watching it, it. It just looked painful, yeah. you know? But again, though, is it is the experience of it watching from a fighting perspective or more from, like, a sort of more mental, emotional perspective? Because a lot of it was also just... It was it, it was a it, bit of both in be, that let's, case. Because let's be real. A lot of it was just straight-up physical torture. Yeah, and, but I think that was, like, one of the scenes that I remember at least, like, growing up in the early anime consumption career where... It is unforgettable. And it also just shows you as well. It's like, it doesn't have to be like amazingly beautiful. You're just watching two people struggle to the extreme in terms of facing against an opponent they legitimately do not have a strategy for. And watching that struggle was like, whoa, shit got really fucking real. Like, I knew that watching Naruto was a lot of like gimmicks and sort of slapstick stuff, especially with Kakashi uh, and. Uh, Kakashi and, and Naruto training and Sasuke being a mopey emo kid and Sakura still being useless and all that. But then you see the Haku and Zabuza fight. Holy fuck. It was, it, it, it was, it was just, all fun and games until then. It, it was a fight of attrition. It was just like, who is going to die first? It's not like, who's going to win? It's more just, are we about to watch two kids who just got out of ninja training and legitimately suffer one of the most painful deaths you can see? Which is like, Literally death by a thousand needles. Actually, yeah, that that that, that that's that that you know that kind of idiom is extremely accurate of that situation. And so even though they're fighting in like a pretty open space, the way that Haku uses the mirrors, those ice mirrors as well, to like s- isolate them straight up that's that a, water prison. That's that a close quarter combat environment right there. That's straight up prison right there. I mean, there's so many elements of that scene. Man, you didn't bring that up. I would have forgotten about that. Fuck. That is an amazing scene, actually. Yeah, because imagine, like, I, I mean, look, I have not died before, okay? Hopefully never. I mean, eventually. Stop it. Pass away, <laughs> stop right? Stop it, stop it. But it, I hear, like, from a lot of people and just, like, just my knowledge of uh, the human body, drowning is probably one of the worst ways to go and 
when you involve like a scene where someone is literally in a bubble water prison, like holy shit, right? Then not being able to do much because you're a fucking kid, then having needles stuck through you, having this scary ass motherfucker and this like effeminate looking boy just wrecking shit and not really knowing what the fuck to do because the one guy, your sensei, is incapacitated or like, you know, in that water prison, like time is of the essence. So it is such a really well done scene in almost a lot of aspects. That's like my number two Naruto scene, even if you include Shippuden. Yeah, like there's there's so much to pick from, but I think the three that I mentioned, the ones that you specifically brought up as well, like th- those will be like in memory for sure. Who's Rock Lee's uh, sensei? Guy? Guy. When he does the doors. That was just that was just ridiculous. That was sick. That's like number three, I think, in my opinion. Because it was also there's a lot of emotion attached to that too. Mm-hmm, just watching mm-hmm. this guy legitimately, and it, it comes with the space of fighting as well. It's 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 pushing past that mental barrier to be able to not necessarily gain a power up. Of course, you know within the world of Naruto, yeah, Taijutsu, Ninjutsu, Genjutsu, none of that shit exists in real life. But to sort of see them personify, like looking at someone with their back against the wall and looking at nothing but their own mental grit to be able to break those shackles and actually go beyond their own physical limitations that I mean, was you that was emotion- heaven, right that was emotionally breaking yeah it, it it was draining after finishing that arc it was like a uh, like a sigh of relief and just like i need to like i am sitting down but i need to like lay down you know yeah so uh, I, I went off a bit about uh, the, the 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 Haku scene in Naruto, but it really was one of the first instances of, oh shit! Like the the anime is not always just fun games and cute girls doing cute things anymore. Yeah, like okay, even Yu Yu Hakusho and Dragon Ball Z did not have that same amount of impact on me than that scene. Damn, and those are two classics as well. I mean, Bleach even more so. I don't think Bleach to me carries that much weight in a lot of the scenes not saying that there isn't it it didn't seem like a lot of them had a lot of, a, a lot they're like, not memorable on the line you know like whereas like legitimately you're watching naruto and sasuke pretty much like be on the verge of death within like the first two curves which is like what the fuck like, we just got introduced to these two like characters it's ptsd like i am done for the rest of my life type level of trauma yeah that- and that's something that you know we we don't necessarily like focus on as well like the the ptsd the emotional and mental fallout from engaging in these fighting sequences these 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 combat sequences like whoa these these kids have gone through hell and that was legitimately like their first mission out of the hidden leaf village yeah yes Yes, actually, yes. Fucking terrifying, right? It is like, welcome to the harsh reality of the Naruto real-world setting, guys. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, I really like that Haku scene. Like, yeah. it's, uh, that whole sequence is awesome. Yeah. Why don't we get a little bit more depressing and go into Attack on Titan? I'm sorry. I know the cops are really annoyed by that. But, uh, yeah. We, we got to talk about AOT because if we talked about Wit Studio previously and MAPPA... It'd be, it'd be kind of sacrilegious if we were not just to mention a couple of scenes from Attack on Titan. Uh, now, there's plenty of scenes that involve you know, the usage of you know, the air maneuver gears, human fighting titans in, like, in tandem to be able to incapacitate, potentially kill titans as well. But 
and this is something that I wanted I showed you about you know like three four weeks ago um, where there's I mean this is a special shout out we will put the credits in our notes as well uh, to a YouTube channel called uh, Scenic Fights they're a group of guys who are themselves uh, martial art practitioners some experts as well who break down fighting scenes in anime manga as well as live action and some you know other animated series as well uh so shout out to those guys because they did a really great breakdown on some of the fights that take place in uh, some of the series we're going to be mentioning later on today uh so specifically within attack on titan like outside of the one that i've already written down on the uh, the docket you know like w- was there a lot of sort of memorable fighting combat scenes in there i mean of course there's like the original fights between like anna and and uh, aaron when they're in the when they're when they're tussling and turfing down in the city, especially when uh, Aaron tries to kill her, and then she ices up. There's fights between uh, Aaron Yeager and um, the other people. I, I keep forgetting that guy's name. Who's the R? I think. Mm, let me think for a sec. Uh, I would say the the without really mentioning too much into spoilers. Uh. A running in the forest, bro. You know, you know those. You know, Attack on Titan released like ten years ago. As long as you're not talking about final season, then I Anna, think, I think, Anna running in the forest. Yeah, I think is a very uh, enclosed, in many ways considered like close quarter combat. Is there any hand to hand? Not, not really. But it is navigating a space with the tools that you have, and the the weapons and in many ways the arms and trying to escape it was a chase scene people were dying i wouldn't count that as a close quarter combat though yeah i guess it's more of like a chase sequence to be fair but i mean still engaging as fuck let me think for a sec oh shit i do know something when they were isolated in that tower oh Yes, and they all the Titans start like enclosing on them before right? they got saved, which was dope, by the way. But that whole sequence was so like claustrophobic, nerve wracking, because it was just like now, now that is close quarter combat. Like, like how are they going to get out of this? It's like fucking impossible. And they kind of had a, like a, is it called a, like a MacGuffin, where it's or like a you know saved at the last second type yeah. scenario. But that whole sequence was extreme because I also think it. T- at night yep so that adds the extra level of lack of visibility it was just legitimately a scene full of desperation right like looking at what the fuck they're going to be able to do to get out of this tower uh i think even then like their air maneuver gear had like they, they ran out of supplies they legitimately couldn't do anything and they were just like trying to hold out for as long as possible for someone to come and save them because that was literally it that was like their last hope yeah they were going to yeah, like I think that scene was extremely well done as well. I mean, there's so many scenes that are extremely well done, but yeah, yeah I think those stand out, especially in the earlier seasons. Yeah, the one that was uh, broken down by scenic fights, which was the fight between Aaron Yeager as the attack titan and uh, between uh, Reiner Braun as the armored titan. That was sick because that was when like it's it wasn't just titans eating humans or air maneuver gear streaming through the air and slashing the napes of these titans necks this was pure hand-to-hand close quarter combat 
straight up using every technique out of the book to be able to take down and incapacitate their opponent from leg locks to shimmying to dewy rolls all the way down to leg locks. Uh, man, that, that was some really, really cool stuff. Admittedly, though, when I first watched it, I didn't necessarily notice a lot of the technique. So for me, I, I think that scene is well done, but I, I, I was like, okay, they're really brawling. That's really the most I got out of it from like a technical aspect. But it was really well done. But I was I, I, again, it, the holds and all that stuff. It just didn't. Uh, it just didn't. It was uh, all very precise. It was you could definitely tell like when watching this, this wasn't just animators and a storyboarder just putting together something. No, they legitimately had someone choreographing, uh, choreographing this from the background and uh, just putting together a very clean combat sequence. And that YouTube video that you showed me of of, of, of Scenic Fights was dope. Because they legitimately tell you every single hold, every single lock, every maneuver that they make to be able to gain like momentum and position themselves to be able to incapacitate their opponent. Oof. Good fights. That's not the only fight, of course. There's plenty of good fights in Attack on Titan. But for me, like from a technical standpoint, that was the pinnacle. From a spectacle standpoint, though, I mean, there's just there's just too many to to to, to count from. Um, another one that we wanted to maybe sort of go into, uh, where maybe not so much like purely like fantastical, like amazing fights, but like some that has good grounding and good technique, but also just pure enjoyment out of watching those scenes, which is from Spike's family. So when it comes to watching the main characters of Lloyd and Yor, and also with Anya, given their backgrounds and working in espionage and assassinations, you know that they've also got a lot of combat training and experience behind them. And so when you're watching Yor taking down the perpetrators who have kidnapped Anya or Lloyd trying to navigate and escape from pursuers or even chasing down, uh, you know, would be a, a, you know, evildoers and whatnot. There's a lot of good fighting, but I think the fight that happened between drunk, drunk Yor and sober Lloyd when they were at that castle, that was that was fun to watch. It was extremely brief, but it was very much like it, it was super obvious that okay, this is extremely different than your typical espionage your typical uh fight scene whereas it's like oh, okay they're actually like almost martial arts fighting in many ways like like brawling and employing combinations you know using you know jabs straights hooks uppercuts dodges yeah like you know rolling up the head putting up your arms to be able to cover both the temples on your head your chin down there and also like being able to have your elbows down enough so that you don't get like liver shots and whatnot those are great then, of course, I think the most amazing fight, the most amazing fighting scene in all of Spike's family was Anya with that straight hook, torquing her hips, yeah. driving power from her no, knees, no, she, straightening she, she up. She did a 180, and then just bam. That That is a lot of torque to be able to generate force. Because a lot of times, when it, when it comes to punching, a lot of times people think that it just comes from the arms. No. If you punch from your arms, you will tire out so yeah, fast. It is all, just like golf swings, it's all about the hips. Yep. It really is. Like uh, It is a very common uh, misconception, I guess, if you're not into the sport or into fighting, which 
hopefully you are not necessarily always getting into street fights or brawls. But yeah, yeah, it's all about the hips, man. Now there are a bunch of other ones that we might want to go over. So for I example, do want to mention one: yeah. Garner Sinners, uh, movie number five. Yeah, contains two very infamous, well choreographed close quarter combat scenes: elevator and corridor. Correct. Yeah. Oh God, it's hard to spoil because it's. I mean, it's super hard for anyone to watch it. But um, that hey. was pro- that was probably like the quietest we were. We were watching this together. We were just like, what? What, what could we say? Fucking, we, get we, on, we were just we were just awestruck. Fucking get on Garna Sinners, guys. If you thought UFO Table was dope now, they were always dope even back then. And I would argue that a lot of Garna Sinners still looks just as good as shows today. Yeah. And the fact that it came out like almost 15 years ago. I think it came out in the late 2010s. No, the late 2000s. So definitely like a classic now in terms of how you want to define it. I mean, Shiki is just fucking crazy. Best girl? Mm. Or best girl you don't want to piss off? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, if she's into me, then we're all good. I guess just just don't forget to wash the dishes. Yeah, exactly. Or do the laundry, <laughs> or get ice cream. Get it? Yes. Will? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I want to watch it again. Um, so there are a bunch of other series that we could go into, like the Fate series, um, Samurai Champloo, and, and on that note as well, Cowboy Bebop had some good combats as well. My Hero Academia. We already talked about the. Tudoroki I think with Cowboy fights. Bebop, the the scene in the church. Yeah. Very good. Very symbolic. Very very symbolic, but also it's just. People take cover when they are in a firefight. Hello, like it's. I know it's super obvious, but when they do that extra level of detail, like it's, that- it's one of those things where you're like, "Wow, they actually ground this in realism." I applaud you. And it's not just like, "Oh, people are shooting." I guess I'm gonna run towards them. Yeah, because I'm a main character now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, plot armor does not exist in Cowboy Bebop. Exactly. So I I, I really like a lot, especially the classic scenes from a lot of classic anime just don't have are not i mean this may be a hot take i don't see a lot of those level at least that prevalent nowadays yeah i mean it's 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 just you know generational change right people just don't really care for that much anymore and it's hard in a way because how are you gonna fit in that level of impact and make it exciting in, in the isekai yeah or like a shonen action or any sort of you know, contemporary anime and manga now, right? They do exist. Like, we are going to talk about them. But, yeah, like, it's hard. Yeah. There is one I do want to have a quick discussion with you about because it is a little bit spoilery considering it is a, a movie and kind of came out fairly recently. So what 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 is the property first? Well, it's, you know, Kizu Monogatari of the Monogatari series. Okay. And it's uh, Aranagi versus Shinobu. Okay. Yeah. In the stadium? Yeah. In the third movie? Yeah. One of the most amazing fights i'd ever seen um, but not in a way that i think is very technical though not technical it's more but like bombastic and ridiculous and looney tunes-esque it's the it's literally the what the fuck is going on kind of thing you know yeah awesome scene and extremely crazy uh very much in the style that you would expect in the same vein as the monogatari series is known for so yeah 
I think that pretty much covers some of the more notable combat and fighting sequences that we've experienced in anime and manga. Some that we do want to talk more about, but I think it's just either like not necessary or could enter into spoiler territory. Yeah, I went off too much on the Haku scene. The Haku scene was cool, though. I mean, the fact that you brought it up, too, like you didn't. like That was pretty much like erased from my memory. And now that it's back, I'm like, okay, fuck. I need to see that all over again. Um, so now we're entering like, legitimately the final part of today's discussion and i think the way that we're gonna go about it is these aren't necessarily like full-on recommendations like you have to go and watch it but these are more sort of series other than high- kanganashara right well i mean that's always going to be you know on my bucket list it, it never ends um but um you know these are more sort of things that like we we've noticed and we've wanted to sort of showcase um some of them are definitely worth recommending but it's very much up to you because there's going to be caveats with some of these series for sure um so we've broken this part down into four specific sections uh one of which um again these are not necessarily names we're going to stick by but these ones are kind of these kind of categorize yeah we have to group them somehow guys yeah come on there's one which is you know focusing on the blade the way of the blade so we talk about for example like moribito blade of the immortal uh sword of the stranger as well as shigurui and then we have other ones which we'll introduce later uh now some of these you have watched, specifically Sword of the Stranger. Yeah, that's the only one I've watched. Right. So, but then you've actually watched it in full. Now you yes. did mention that story-wise, it's very kind of, meh, kind of dull, extremely right? meh. But the sword fights were like, well, I mean, even like the last fight. I think that, was, that, that was actually the like last almost, fight was like forty-five minutes. It was almost insane. like it was like half a quarter to half of the movie, right? Yes. Yeah, it, and it is when they focus on the choreography. And not quote unquote the spectacle. That's when you know that shit gets real, right? Like obviously, uh, it's grounded in quote unquote reality in in historical J- Japan. But you don't need spectacle to show how high stakes this is. Exactly, right? and it just is nonstop, right? And uh, sort of the stranger is one of those sh- like movies that I think is extremely flawed. But in the realm of sword fighting and choreography, it is A+. plus. But when you take into consideration the whole story, it's like a 7-8 kind of area, depending on how much you dig the action scenes, in my opinion. Yeah. It's done by Bones, and Bones, at least from like a animation perspective, they do good work, right? Oh, it's, it, it's great. It definitely shows in uh, Sword of the Stranger. Uh, now, the next two that we'll go over, because for myself, I only watched a few episodes, some clips. I don't think Jason's watched much or of any of these. Uh, Moribito, which was uh, produced by Production IG, good studio. And uh, Blade of the Immortal, done by Leiden Films, which is, eh, it's, it's a hot and cold season, a hot and cold studio. Uh, so both of these, I, what you notice about these as well is, specifically when it comes to a lot of these sword-based, samurai-esque kind of series, uh, they're more they're more often like historical like set pieces. They're very much set in like the Taisho or Edo period, where because of the fact that the shogunate you know just doesn't exist now, uh, and samurais have been kind of outlawed since like the like the early nineteenth the mid nineteenth centuries. So you don't really see people walking around wearing you know with katanas in the left and all all that. Um, Unless you're a psycho, uh, or you actually are, you know, or, or you're cosplaying, or or you actually, and you it's know, not a real, blade. or you actually, you know, practice the way the blade, and you're, you know, cutting bamboo shoots and whatnot. 
which by the way, if you see those, those are fucking sick. But also um, really hard to cut. It's not easy. It you it looks easy. It is not. I mean, it's because these are masters and they make them look easy, right? It's like kendo. Like you think it's like oh, they just like whip the the bamboo yeah. sort. It's just like no, no, no. It, it no. takes years of training, and that's kind of what's like highlighted in like sort of the stranger, Morabito, uh, as well as you know Blade of the Immortal. Um, I think in terms of like the choreography, Morabito and sort of, and uh, Blade of the Immortal. Probably not on that level of sort of the stranger, but there's definitely a lot of good classic like close quarter combats, a lot of good chase scenes, some very good like swordsmanship as well. Uh, the one I do want to highlight though would be Shigurui because it's not what you expect in terms of looking at a very violent and gory sword based anime set in like Edo period Japan, um, because it is gruesomely dark. It was done by Madhouse, um, I think around 10 years ago, maybe older than that. Um, it is more like a like a, a mentally draining, emotionally debilitating psychothriller. Uh, because they focus on a lot of backstory between how characters became evil and how characters kind of walk that thin line between what's gray, what's black, what's white. Um, the DVD and Blu-ray cover is just the most bloodiest. Yeah. It's just like the portrait of like, I guess, like the two main characters. And it's just red yeah. for like half of the cover. And it's it, it's definitely like a very good sort of personification of what the series will entail. Oh, Jesus. Oh, some of these screenshots look fucking brutal. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not for like weak stomachs. Holy um, shit. And, oh, God. But it also just accentuates the the mental and emotional brutality that happens throughout the series it's look it's not going to be like action-packed it's not going to be crazy fighting like spectacle but it is the observation of technique and honoring the tradition of the bushido way i mean i did not watch the show but just by looking at the images of the manga and the anime the screenshots on google i can just expect it is a heavy anime as you said right yeah. it gets knocked on because of the fact that well dude like there's a lot of like blood and gore why don't you focus on the blood and gore and i think like that kind of just sort of misses the point in watching shigurui because it's definitely one of those where it's morality based because a lot of times when you watch a series you kind of wonder oh i wonder how many of these people are going to be you know are going to end up becoming heroes or good people no this is more of a show of watching how how low a human can go in terms of depravity and immorality. And uh, even the best people, even the nicest people, also have blood in their hands. Um, it's, it's definitely different from the other three series, but very much grounded in sort of, sort of understanding you know, what it means to be a samurai of that era. Because I think a lot of it is like based on certain characters actually like going through the process of wanting to abolish the process of becoming and having samurai in the shogunate so it's um it, it's it, it's definitely it asks a lot of questions in terms of like where you stand on what it means to be a samurai to protect people but at the same time seeing there's a lot of political backstabbing that like the way of life yeah. the bushudo way as you said is like a philosophical like value principle mindset and, right but and then when philosophies clash exactly that's when like or shit when it gets, gets real. tested right you're what you thought you 
believed in is contested. Do you that, seek to protect it or do you seek to, you know, go down a different path and destroy everything that's made you the person you are now? So now that we have talked a bit about realistic animes, portrayals of, you know, the Bushido way, let's go to the extremely polar opposite and talk about just the most fantastical uh powers gorgeous I mean, beyond like actual realism but you know there's and still, this is and this yeah. is my wheelhouse now like as in like it is it's sort of the things that at least i can comprehend more so like easily at least right and the two shows is fire force and god of high school both of which you've watched yep i've watched some of fire force i've watched a lot of got a high school didn't finish it though i, I like, finished it I and like episode uh, seven and for fire force because there was like what f- like three three seasons or yeah and i think each are like double curves it's a lot oh, wow I, it's chunky okay yeah it's like 50 episodes or something i don't hold me to that but there's at least three four curves i'm pretty sure and i like both of them quite a bit i think fire force is way better than got a high school but they both are very much like relevant to the discussion of you know close quarter hand to hand combat sometimes yeah. even so, so both of them have their criticisms or at least like things that people don't necessarily like about him. I mean, like got a high school, it's pretty apparent. I think people just weren't very happy about the character designs. Yep. The story was kind of weak as it kind of deviated away from the original source. So it's like. Uh, the God of High School is based off of the webtoon, and it is one of oh, these Crunchyroll so originals. 48 episodes for Fire Force. Damn. So close. Uh, so, God of High School, I think the webtoon has ended, like, completely. But uh, nonetheless, it is a MAPPA production. It is it shows. It definitely shows. Uh, Crunchyroll exclusive or Crunchyroll original, I think. Yeah, and Fire up, up, Force. As part of that that treble of uh, webtoon adaptations, which included... Noblesse. Um, Noblesse and Tower of God. Yep. And only Tower of God got a second season. So uh, what does that tell you about a lot of things, huh? Tower of God's good. Tower of God's good. Tower of God. Is good. Tower of good yeah. Bam, bam. Okay. Uh, and Fire Force done by uh, probably one of uh, Will's favorite... Uh, Studios, David Productions, right? Very unique. Yeah, on its own. Nothing and, Nothing does any... No, no, I'll stop. <laughs> so why would I kind of recommend these two shows? Uh, I would recommend uh, Fire Force over God of High School, but I think God of High School is at least a much more grounded take, even though there is fantastical powers of sorts, with some level of choreography. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that, like, a lot of these... There's a lot of, like, Taekwondo masters in there because it is a, you know, originally Korean source, right? And uh, some of the fights I watched definitely employed, like, very, very clear technique. Of course, you have to embellish a little bit with some mysticism and fantastic elements, but I'm not going to knock them on that. And when you get to the season finale, you then realize kind of the concept of actually got a high school and it just whether or not you like that direction or not yeah i think that's where a lot of the criticism came yes came from um but but fire force though so i did not like fire force at first i thought it was pretty mid 
to be honest. And was it more sort of like the animation, the story, no, the characters? The production, David Productions did a fantastic like uh, production quality. The music, the animation, everything is top notch. But what I didn't like really get behind was, okay, Fire Force is about the fire. So like, what can you do with fire? fire that can like span so many volumes on jump plus manga plus by viz media like over 30 volumes and also like what kind of variations can you possibly do i mean the last airbender had to not just do fire right so like what can fire force do where it's pretty much is like it's fire or nothing it does seem kind of limited in terms of what they can really do with this particular plot but and I mean, let they've, me they've managed to make four curves of it. And let me tell you, um, I am very, very much ready to admit that I was wrong. I think the fact that they box themselves in, relying only on the element of fire, kind of you know how when you have a blank canvas. You you make do of what you got, right? Yeah. So then you you think of really creative ways to navigate or fight. Or, okay, so the main character can, like, zoom around like Iron Man. So what else is there? And to be honest, in the very beginning, there isn't much there. But then when you uh, get into, like, the whole entourage ensemble cast, you then see all these, like, evolutions of these powers or how they try to maneuver their way. It becomes actually quite cool. And I really have to admit that even though I didn't like certain directions... Let's say uh, there were certain mm, religious connotations. Mm, okay. I, I still think that the action scenes are rock solid, like super rock solid. And uh, the second time around, when I gave it a second chance, it was the one of the best decisions. I think like the the, the juxtaposition, juxtaposition between using like very dark palettes. I mean, all the uniforms are just pure black, but then their like, fire looks fucking gorgeous. Yeah, like I. The, the the fire looks beautiful. You I, know how like whenever we talk about like water animation in like anime and video games, and or like, like in Demon Slayer, but yeah, the I think Fire Force obviously should have very good portrayal and depiction of fire. Makes sense; it's in the title, and a hundred percent it does. Uh honestly, it was one of the few animes where I had to change my score after completing it and rewatching it. I mean, where do you sit on it now then in terms of like... It's an eight the first season. I gave it a seven in the beginning. I didn't really vibe well with it. And um, it was just a very good... I mean, uh, don't knock it until you try it, basically. I got burned a bit and then it's all good. It's all good. The fire force is just coming through right now. Exactly. All right, cool. Okay, so those are the first two sections we wanted to cover. Now, when Jason was talking about sort of like flipping it 180 and, uh, you know, going from realism to mysticism and fantastic qualities kinds of like animation, we're going to do another 180, but in well, the no, wrong we, direction. We can't do the 180. We don't even know where the fuck to go with it. Yeah, because we're, is... we're basically 180 and we tumbled into the realm of what the fuck is going on. Where the fuck are we, guys? We have four series that we will highlight in this particular one. Uh, so okay, so Will, we are we don't know where the fuck we are, right? So, yeah. but the first thing we need to do is food. 
Yeah. Oh, so convenient. We're in a supermarket right now. Look at this. Oh, there's, oh. Ben- there's bento boxes. Oh, wait. Isn't it like in the, like the late afternoon, evening? Oh, it's perfect. That means all these bento boxes are going to be like half price. Well, wait. They're all gone now. Wait, wait. We were just there. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I saw there's, a cor- there's one left over there. Wait. Hold on. We are talking there's, about... There's, there's two of us. David Productions adapt- anime adaptation of Bento. So... B-E-N hyphen T-O. As you can imagine from what we just said, yeah, the plot is just fucking dumb. But... But... <laughs> it is also absolutely entertaining to watch. It's literally just a free-for-all combat scene of people just trying to fight over half-priced bentos at supermarkets. Now, you're probably wondering, well, I mean, this is just a supermarket arc where I'm a slice of life added with some some action, right? You're not wrong. But I mean, uh, yeah, but if you injected Half-Life into it, kind of, if you uh, have like this you know, instead of Bushido way, there's like the bento way of and, like a order of things. And, and instead of it, actually, yeah, instead, yeah. Of, instead of using kunai, like the throwing daggers, you're using chopsticks. chopsticks. It's like fucking dumb. I love it, but I, I I don't love it in the sense that it's not a great show. It's not a great show, right? I mean, like the score tells. I think it's like a six point seven on my enemy list, somewhere thereabouts. But it is kind of cool to have on the screen. While you're doing some other stuff, it's, it's definitely entertaining. Like if I was in like a manga cafe, and sometimes they might have like TVs that have that are on mute, and they'll have like some anime playing in the background, and there's like bento playing there. I'll be like, this looks kind of sick. When you turn on the audio, you're kind of like, ah, no, this is actually not that cool. But it's 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 a fun watch. I think like there is like of course some proper technique thrown into it as well. Like like dude, if you can throw a pair of chopsticks straight like a throwing dagger. That's that's technique, right? Being able to use that and also use the sole of your 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 school shoes to be able to block a pair of chopsticks from hitting you. I so you finished it recently, right? No, I watched like some uh, some episodes. I didn't finish it, but I watched enough to be like, this is definitely worth recommending to someone who just wants to turn off their brain and just be dumb. Didn't at some point they put down like you know the grocery baskets and then they make a circle and then they have a brawl yeah. or something like that. Yeah. That's just the level of absurdity that Bento has. Close quarter combat. You gotta de-escalate the situation and take out your adversary. By the way, those supermarket grocery like like aisles are fucking like forever in some cases. It's it's also like oh man, like I, I let, let's 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 like Turn the gas off and go a little bit slice of life. It's always so nice that when you walk into a Japanese grocery store and the first thing you see are the mountains of discount bentos and onigiris just waiting for you to pick up. Because, when, you know, you, you walk in with maybe a 500 yen coin, you can buy two of those boxes. That's lunch and dinner. Fucking amazing. All right. Turn the gas back on again. The next most ridiculous what the fuck shit is this that I'm watching would be Keijo. Exclamation mark, and exclamation butt mark, wrestling. Exclamation mark. Oh my god! It. We watched this maybe three years ago, and to this day, I still can't wrap my head around what the fuck is actually going on because it's if it it's it makes me would feel you, dirty. Would, yeah, this is like almost like the epitome of a guilty pleasure. It is because it feels so wrong watching this. Like imagine telling someone, so it's a sports anime. Yeah, it's actually. They play it straight. It, they 
are super serious because about these the are, sport. They have they, they have Keijo academies, like literally training up and coming oh, athletes. So that's awesome. So it's like Haikyuu. Well, not 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 exactly. Oh, so it's like Kuroko no Basket, right? No, well, take not, out. Not, yeah, not, not really. They, they do have some magic mystical so, elements. In so there too. so so is it like sports? So what kind of sports is it? Uh, is it like a sport that I know? And I'm like. It's a wrestling sport using boobs and butts. There you go. No arms, no legs, just straight boobs and butts. In and swimming pools. Immediately, why are you walking away? No, come back, come back. I need to tell you more about Don't what drift happens. away, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, you, you got to come back. I need to tell you more about how they use their butts to maneuver and, and take down their opponents. And here's the thing. Their training arc, they play it so seriously that you just can't deny the sheer, like, Oh, they're not taking the piss. They are not like you could make a thousand like etchy jokes and make it all etchy and perverted. And in many ways, it is very perverted esque. But they don't. Yeah, because it, it's it's just straight up trying to take itself as seriously as possible as a sports anime slash manga. It's legitimately like you, like, the 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 person who made this must have just walked over to. You know, whichever studio, whichever publication uh, they were trying to get this, you know, to work. It's like, he just meets a junior editor. It's like, dude, this shit's fucking dumb. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Just show it to the the, the, the editor-in-chief. I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll love it. Oh, he will love it? Okay, cool. I meant that sarcastically. And then he showed it over. It's like, huh. Sure, go ahead. I'll, I'll be interested to see which studio is going to pick it up. Wait, wait, what? You found a studio that you're going to pick up? Oh, okay, fine. Go ahead. See if it's popular. It, what? It's actually popular? Oh, fuck. What, why? So, How? unfortunately, IRL, it uh, it did kind of have a... The manga, at least, did have an unceremonious end because there was a lot of drama, I guess. A lot and, of backlash, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and the editor, I guess, or the publishing company and the mangaka had a lot of problems. And they just got fed up. Yeah. So, and then I think it went online... For a bit, and I don't know. It 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 was one of those unfortunate demise and long and drawn out. But and to be fair, it wasn't like you didn't see it coming. But let's just take a second to just be like, yo, Keijo, like y'all fucking crazy. Yes, but, but this is also really fun. This to is watch. also fucking awesome. So, uh, I think we have to talk about the next two like in conjunction, right? So drifters and uh, I made the mistake earlier in- instead of. Records of Ragnarok, which is what I said, it should be record of Ragnarok. Um, these two shows we have mentioned numerous times, and we just felt like we should mention it again because look, I think because like we both read Record of Ragnarok first, and then we both watched some of it, and then we were both very disgusted by what we saw from season one, which was done by Grafinica. Um, and then, and then I did not read any of Drifters. I don't even know if it's even available, but the anime is like, oh, it should have been what record of Ragnarok. Yeah. So, I mean, again, small little disclaimer. There is a season two of Record of Ragnarok, and this time around, they also have the Yumeta company that's doing the animation in conjunction with Grafinica, and the score is substantially higher. I think it's like a whole point higher than season one. Season one is like, is like a 6.6, 6.7. And season two was like a 7.6, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm running off of what Jason said too. What Drifters is, 
what is what basically Record of Ragnarok should have been from an animation perspective. Or, the, or, or could have been, really. Yeah. The manga, both of them are... Well, I, mean, I haven't read the Trickers manga, but the manga for Record of Ragnarok is amazing because they don't fluff around with the backstories. They don't really fluff around with plot either. They just focus solely on the fights. So season one of Record of Ragnarok, 6.73. Okay. Uh, season two is seven point five four. Yeah, both on Netflix. So there you go. I think close, Netflix close, exclusive, actually. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Close to a whole point, and that was the thing. like people just thought, dude, like Netflix pumped a bunch of money into this and then flunked it, or Grafinica just decided to shit the bed. And I think this time around they realized, yeah, you know what? Like, it, it was also just down to the fact that. It got rushed. It do, just felt so rushed. Do I have to watch season two? I, well, maybe. I kind of want to know, Will. I, same. I kind of. I, 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 okay, I do want to know. Okay, fuck it. Let's go. Also, because it's uh, the fight in season two, we both know is probably one of like the highlights yep. so far. Yeah. But Drifters, though. But Dr- Drifters, though. Drifters is some real Guilty Gear shit. And here's the sad part is I don't think we'll ever get anything more than what is currently available. Like, there's not going to be, like, a new thing that shows up. I think the manga has been in production for, like, or been in publication, and I think it might have been on hiatus so many times. Kind of like, um, uh, what's that pirate mercenary, uh, Black Lagoon? Yeah. It's just, like, it's not necessarily canceled, but it's not necessarily released, or I don't know. They'll drop something after, like, four or five years, then kind of disappear again, like pirates, you know? But, like... Like unlike Black Lagoon, where Black Lagoon is kind of like unique in that space, with Drifters we currently have Record of Ragnarok, and so it's kind of hard to bring Drifters back into the limelight with Record of Ragnarok sitting right there too. So I guess we'll just have to settle with Record of Ragnarok. Both hey, of them are crazy as shit, though. I mean, if season two, at least the mouse scores any indication, it sounds like it is a vast improvement. So hey, uh, we'll report in probably at some point and let you know our thoughts. Yep. Now, the last section, which I didn't really have a title for because it was just kind of too wordy, um, but I think this is the, these the good shit. Yeah, the three main sort of series that actually kind of brought about this discussion in the first place uh, are historically significant because they've been running around for quite a long time. One of them being more recent, uh, but the other two, like just classics from the 80s and like still to this day have like major fandoms. Uh, one of which is actually still producing more shit uh, with like their most recent season like airing this year. Um, so the ones we're talking about now are one of my personal favorites, Kengan Ashura, uh, one of other people's personal favorites, Baki, or Grappler Baki, as it was originally known, and probably the one which is the most classic of the three, Hachime no Ippo. And maybe another fourth uh, Megalobox. Yeah. You know, but like a very... It, far if it's forth. within the, if it's within the Hachime no Ippo sort of universe, basically, do you like Rocky? Yeah do you do you just like boxing in general? Because this is Rocky Balboa, the anime, but instead of Rocky, it's like a kid. Yeah. What's What's great about like these three specific series is that all three of them were sort of created by mangaka's in terms of like story and art 
who also have prior experience within those specific mediums. Like, for example, um, Hajime no Ippo, uh, the creator, used to actually be a boxing trainer. He's actually cornered a lot of fighters uh, in boxing matches in Japan. Uh, the creator of Baki does a lot of wrestling on his own time and also was a member uh, of the Japanese Defense Force. And Kengan Ashura, the storyboard the, the, the story writer and the artist uh, along with their editor all three of them are martial arts practitioners with like 50 years of experience between all three of them and you know occasionally to be able to prepare for a scene they would actually spar each other and sort of choreograph how they would like to create specific fighting arcs within king and Ashura. so earlier on the first half i kind of said that one of the possible restrictions uh, due to uh, being able to have very intricate and well-done uh, choreography in regards to these hand-to-hand or close-quarter combat sequences is A, due to budget, and B, due to expertise. So when you, as the creator or producer or editor, have that interest, that passion, that know-how, and also you double up in terms of roles because you're kind of like a consultant yeah. slash advisor and also you, you you work in the production side. Yeah, let's say like money is not a question. You have all the money you want to be able to make this shit. What can you do? Well, if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, then all that money is going to be wasted. But right. if you have that experience... I mean, you could get a UFC fighter, like probably one of the best UFC fighters as like a consultant, but if they don't know jack shit about the anime adaptation process, maybe there might be some miscommunication or disconnect between the creatives and the person that would have the most amount of technical knowledge. Classic experience, classic example would be like the whole X-Arm thing, bringing in the live action director to do a 3D anime is like that. Okay. Oh, no, but it's 3D, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're three dimensional things and the anime can be in 3D, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. No. Uh, a and, equals B. And when we're, when we're talking about these three series, we're very like, understanding that like some of them like you're going to absolutely love some of them you will not give a shit about and some of them you might be kind of like blase in the middle with it but we we sort of just wanted to highlight the sort of extremes that creators go to to be able to create these properties because it's not every day you come across someone who has 18 years of jiu-jitsu experience or someone who was actually an active member of the japanese defense force and was a part of the wrestling team or someone who actually was a boxing trainer and boxed people and also cornered boxers in boxing matches like it just makes sense that they're going to be making series based on what they are experienced in so I know that Hajime no Ippo uh, is a classic. I also know that some people, including myself in certain cases, are very uh, adverse to consuming really old shows. I think that at least whether that sentiment is justified or not, at least I can understand it, right? I would say even though Megalobox is not necessarily that grounded in reality because A, it's science fiction, and B, it's just not that technical – if if you want to watch a boxing anime of sorts, I think Megalobox is a good in-between spot. And if you dig Megalobox, which by all means you probably will, then you have Hajime no Ippo always there to really go the long haul all the way of like the real 
Rocky Balboa anime teenage boy experience. Yeah, or if you're caught up but not fully caught up, don't forget there's also Megalobox Nomad, right? So exactly, there's, there's plenty of stuff to watch. Now, as Jason was mentioning, Megalobox is the new sort of contemporary spiritual successor to Hajime no Ippo. And new Hachimino. kid on the block. I mean, even that coach, the boxing coach, is yeah. very much of, uh, I think the boxer's called Joe, right? It's yeah. just called Joe. Come on. Oh, wait, are we thinking about the wrong one? Ashton no Joe. Ashton no Joe is actually the one. Oh, shit. What is yeah. Hajime no Ippo? Uh, that's Fighting Spirit. Fuck. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a big blunder. Oh, well. Uh... We make mistakes. We should probably talk about Ashino Joe too. But we're going to talk about Hachiwe no Ippo instead. <laughs> Whilst Jason is scrambling to fix our mistakes, I'll be talking about Hachiwe no Ippo. So Hachiwe no Ippo, which I did watch, by the way, uh, was uh, founded in, back in 1989, serialized in uh, Kudansha. That was the one. Uh, and it's got like a lot of adaptations in terms of you know, main series, but also OVAs and movies. Uh, the first one was done by Madhouse. Us was like there are subsequent sequels like New Challenger. Uh, Rising was the most recent one. That one came out in fall 2013, but that was a co-production between okay. Mappa and Madhouse. So when I was thinking of the anime, it was Hajime no Ippo, but um, Megalobox, the character Joe, is a reference to... Uh, Ashita no Joe. Yeah. So I, what I had in my mind legitimately is Hajime no Ippo, but not wrong, not right, not wrong, not right. So uh, just Forget cut us. me some slack, please, guys. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Unfortunately, neither of us have watched Ashita no Joe, but I have watched some uh, uh, Hajime no Ippo. We both watched and quite like uh, Megalobox. Um, so. When we we're talking about things being grounded in realism, a lot of the fighting technique, like you know the the jabbing, the straight throws, the torquing of the hips, uh, the Dewey roll that he uses, which is like insane. Like, like it, it can get a little comical at I, times. I don't even know what the Dewey roll. The is. Dewey roll is when you basically have your arms up, like you know, gloves touching your face, elbows in, so you don't get liver shots, uh, and just ducking and rolling, ducking and rolling. Oh, like bob and weave type yeah. maneuver. So, like for example, like as a real life sort of example, like the Floyd Mayweather's, the uh, the Mike Tyson. I've heard those names yeah. before. So Floyd Mayweather was known to be what well, the best uh defensive boxers i'm not gonna say who is the best one because they're all very very good um personally i like canelo more but Floyd Mayweather, he's 51 to know i think or 50 to know but all i know is that they're boxers very good boxer and the thing that he does the best is that he's able to duck and weave his way out of trouble mike tyson on the other hand was a straight up like dirt bag brawler what about ali ali was just you know all about philosophy you know, just knowing how to be light on his feet, knowing that it's not so much how quickly I can punch you, it's the fact that I can punch you. I mean, you can float and sting pretty well, yeah, right? That guy was great. Um, so they take a lot of examples, a lot of experiences from like real life boxers and employ it into their series, which is great. You want that in a boxing fight. You want that in an anime that focuses on realistic boxing. And yes, there are some sequences within Hachimi Ippo where the main character kind of ducks and weaves a bit too much to do it. Like, he was doing the Dewey roll for like 30 seconds in one go. Because okay. the whole point of the Dewey roll is to be able to sort of like sway momentum. 
be able to create enough swing between like left to right, left to right, and then when you're ready, and then to come... shifting your like center of gravity, right? Yeah, your and, weight, and in ways either to sort of close down your opponent, bomb mechanics. Put down... Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Right there, you go. That you you do know the techniques behind boxing. Well, I, uh, well, no, not really, <laughs> but from like a, a academic standpoint, yeah, because. I better be because I yeah. study sports science. Yeah. So some of that stuff when I was watching, it, I was just like, this is fucking awesome. It's ridiculous that they're doing so many Dewey rolls in one go, but like, oh, that was, that was a fun time to watch. Um, they have some of it in Megalobox, but not all that much. Yeah. Really. How about uh, you can say your piece about Baki, but I think we should just skip it if possible and focus on the crown jewel. Yeah, Baki itself, it's like, it's it's definitely like, okay, there's two different Bakis, but they're all within the same universe. There's a grappler Baki, which started in 1991. Uh, the original anime adaptation was done by group TAC in, 2000, uh, in 2001. There was a sequel for that one. And then more recently on Netflix, when you have the original net animation adaptations, which is Baki. So not grappler Baki, just straight Baki. I even think like the manga as well. There is Grappler Baki and Baki. So it's like Naruto and Naruto Shippuden kind of exactly, thing. Exactly like that. I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's kind of confusing when you're trying to put together like the notes for it too. It's like, which one are we talking about? We're talking about the original one that came out? There's not so much original sequel. It's more just the naming. Because there's Grappler Baki, there's Baki, and there's Hanma Gra- ba- Baki. What? No, no, but Will, listen, uh, in Monogatari, there are three seasons, right? But then the final season is not the final, final season because there are, like, different arcs and then the... Yeah. 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 Confusing as shit. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't really like it all that much because some of the fights aren't really fights at all. It's just a bit kind of weird. Um, Very gruesome, I have to give them that. Uh, And that's probably why some people really like Baki in general. but, you know, the guy, you know, has his own wrestling experiences, definitely employs some of them in there. Some of them he does. He definitely takes liberties in terms of, you know, embellishing how deadly a grapple is or how deadly, you know, blowing someone's eardrum out is. But Netflix does not only have one, uh, you know, mixed martial arts, you know, hand to hand combat CQC anime as two. The other one being Kengen Ashura with the second season coming out, I think, this year? September. Yeah. So, yeah. so season one had part one, part two that came out, I think, like 2018. Very, very long ago. Um, both of which I've watched. Um, I've read a lot of the manga as well. Uh, the manga now is completed, uh, but there is a sequel manga called Kengan Omega. New Omega, something? Kengan yeah, Omega, uh, Omega, yeah. Omega, yeah. Uh, which has also got like several hundred chapters in itself. Um, that's probably going to be adapted next if there is continuing like ad- interest in ad- adapting uh, the Kengan Ashura universe. And to be fair, you weren't expecting a second season. Right? No, because it was just dead in the water for so long. I right. I mean, like, I, I finished it all like four or five years ago, and then I was just sitting hey, here like. Uh, Netflix, uh, if you could continue Dora Hedero, that would be nice. Probably won't happen. But... Probably won't happen, but still, like, that would be nice. Okay. Dora was crazy. So, Kengen Ashura, from my perspective, is a very simple show in terms of its premise, in terms of the difference between i guess a fantastical thing it's none of that i mean there is like some elements of that but it's very much a simple yo you want to see people fight 
but you want to make it anime, kind of. It's it's basically Drifters and Record of Ragnarok, but without like the crazy superpowers. And it's in 3D. Yeah. And actually, uh, I did not hate the 3D. In fact, I got pretty used to it. And one thing I did not like was when they got to part two and it shifted some of it in 2D. Pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> like, you are doing 3D fine. The fuck are you doing? I can't believe I'm hearing you actually telling someone off for doing 2D over 3D. <laughs> no, no, but do you, the first couple episodes of part no, I, two, I, I, no, I, no, no, it yeah. looks super weird. Like, like I, I, I spent a whole a whole part one getting used to this shit, and then now you're going back to 2D. Like, what, the, what, what, what game are you playing here? And then, like, towards, like, the midpoint of part two, they go back to fully 3D. I mean, obviously, the flashbacks are done in a more picturesque way, but it is not actually, like, traditional 2D animation, right? So it's like moving pictures. Yeah. So you started off... You know, before even watching any of this, just hearing it from me and me showing you some clips of it, and immediately you're like, ah, uh, the 3D is kind of jarring. But now that you've actually watched both parts one and part two, um, have you have you, has your head swung round? Have you turned over and now become more nice towards King and Ashura? Yes. Uh, I still gave both parts an eight, but I think part two is slightly weaker than it's slightly one, weaker right? except for the last couple of episodes which really pulled it out from a seven in my opinion it was uh where the first part i was like oh it's an eight but it could be a sevens on some days but it's still an eight whereas here for part two i was the inverse i was ready to give it a seven and convinced it until like the last like four episodes uh Beyond that, I would say that uh, it's just a bunch of people fighting. I mean, there is like a premise, there's technically storylines, and of course there is a multitude of characters, but it really doesn't matter in terms of me telling you or all even in some way spoiling you because it really is just watching the whole tournament arc unfold yeah and what i liked about it as well is that it was it's kind of like watching the beginnings of the ufc or the ultimate fighting championship so it is i, I thought it was yeah. wwe no uh, especially like in part two the, are, the, the entrances some. the entrances yeah, yeah. it's definitely because because it i think it takes a lot of um a lot of it, it, inspiration from pride pride fc which is like the japanese fighting competitions that they had and those are like legitimately like those crazy fireworks and masks like those entry entries into the ring and all that and that's why i like part one a bit more because the setting is varied a lot of the characters you're kind of meeting for the first time and they put uh the main characters in kind of odd situations like one is on uh, a, a freighter I think, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that kind of scenario is pretty cool. There's obviously, like, all these... Whereas in uh, Part 2, it's just straight up, like, here's an arena, here's one fighter, here's another fighter, fight, oh, okay, here's the winner, here's the loser, end of story. I mean, end of the, the Part 2. Yeah. So, in terms of, like, the founding of the UFC, of course, this is not anything enemy-related, but it will kind of pertain to why I like King and Ashura a lot. Um, when you watch the UFC nowadays, it's usually like fit within like weight classes. If you are a lightweight, you fight against other lightweights. If you are a featherweight, bantamweight, heavyweight, whatever, then you will be fighting a corresponding like 
similar heavyweight, a similar weighted uh, fighter. Um, and in reality, I think that is the the right way to yeah. go about it. And in terms of like disciplines, like the art, the mar- the, the art styles you you compete in, it, that, that's why it's called mixed martial arts. You don't just fight using karate, capoeira, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, grappling, wrestling. Um, you definitely have a mixed repertoire of different techniques and skills that you use. Whereas when it comes to like the origins of the UFC, it was just straight up who was the best fighter. And so the, that at that point, there were no weight classes. There was no restriction on what fighting styles you had. You could just be a street fighter. You could be a boxer. You could only just do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But you could be 140 pounds, 5 foot 6, fighting against someone who is 270 pounds, 6 foot 4, and you just see who's a better fighter. That was it. That was how it started. And that's what this series is it, they're they're all different weight classes they all have one specific style it's 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 like street fighter at this point yeah it is and when in reality your weight and your height and your build really dictates how good of a chance you are to win in a fight yeah, it's, versus... It helps to swing your advantage, right? Extremely, especially when it comes to some of the disproportionate uh, like weight or height between uh, certain ad, like fights in Kengen Ashura, right? Yeah. So uh, I think now, though, we have come to the point where Will and I, because we ha- I have consumed at least all of Season 1, Part 1 and 2, uh, I have a top three characters from... Uh, Bronze, silver, gold. I have a, I have a just a, a de facto number one because I like all the other characters too. But one just like just holds a, a place in my heart no matter okay. what. So, uh, Will, I think what I'm going to do is you can save your number one or your sole pick and try to guess uh, the number two and number three spot, and I will uh, accept. It does. You don't have to say it in order. Obviously, the number one spot's different, right? But number three and number two, you can kind of say either or. Like, what do you think, based off of what you know of me, what would you pick? Is Jun Sekibayashi one of them? Nope. The pro wrestler? No, you didn't have the pro wrestler in top three. Oh, the Zangief guy? Yeah, the nah. pro wrestler. Oh, he was no. he was entertaining to watch. I like him. But he, was, he, was, he was legit, like, batshit insane. Did not make top three. Um... It can't be Lahito. He's, 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 I think he's the first guy that he fought. Uh, he was like, oh, he's the tan kick dude. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. no. He, was, he was the brawler. I'm not talking about the guy that does the Cambodian uh, fighting style. Uh, I actually do not know. So at number three, known as the dissector, is Hajime the Hanafusa. Doctor with this fucking implants. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, that is. Uh, let's not talk. Let's not mention that because, especially because season two is coming up soon. So, uh, fair, 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 fair. but uh, yes, that is my number three pick. My number two pick, Ryo Inaba. Nope. The weird, long-haired, twisty, no nope. capoeira style guy. Nope. Go ahead. It is Suekichi Kaneda, the also known as the Giant Killer. Okay. All right. And originally, he was my number one, but the last couple episodes convinced me that Cosmo Imai, the king of stranglers, is my favorite character 
in uh, Cosmo number fucking one. Dude. Oh, my God. It is hard to really spoil. And re- you really should, uh, like, savor those last couple episodes because it really solidifies that character in terms of... I don't give a fuck about uh, Oma, which is the main character. I don't give a shit. Most of, more often than not, main characters are fucking worthless. I care a lot about Kazuo, who is kind of like the the Kazu, coach Kazu, manager. Kazuo Noguchi? No, the, the coach manager. Oh. I thought he was... His struggle, his journey actually was quite interesting, right? Uh, but honestly, I mean... Cosmo oh, no, ready. Kazuo Yamashita, that's his name, yeah. Yeah, so I was ready to really not care too much about Cosmo, especially because I don't know that much about, like, holds and grappling. His jiu-jitsu is very technique-driven, for sure. It reminds me of King of Fighters. Actually, a lot of these characters remind me of King of Fighters. I think Mary is uh, Cosmo, basically. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, fuck- I just, I love Cosmo in my, oh, he's... He is legitimately my favorite character across all of the series of Kengan Ashura. Just the fact that like he is not only the smallest, but also like, the youngest fighter there. Literally, like the lack of experience compared to all the other fighters they have, but he is so confident in his ability. He's not cocky. He just knows that he is a fucking good grappler. And what he does to be able to take out his opponents, even when like literally the odds are stacked against him and the fact that he's fighting someone that is not only taller, but bigger, more experienced and employing, you know, excessive force to submit him and he won't break. I mean, it is comes to no surprise that a fictional anime series or manga series has the ability to basically fabricate a quote unquote reality of in that world where these types of disadvantageous height weight differences won't really dictate too much. Now, to be fair, uh, when I was talking about the early days of the UFC, uh, there actually was an instance. Uh, it, it, I forgot his first name, but his name, he was a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fighter named Gracie. And he fought up against somebody who was literally, literally twice his size, didn't throw a single punch, just leg locked him arm barred him, put like legitimately his arms, hips, legs, uh, arms uh, and, and chest all wrapped around him, submitted the guy who was twice his weight, twice his height, and won. Very grounded reality. But again, you don't ever really see That's like see a those, unicorn yeah, in the pantheon, You just right? don't see those David Goliath kind of things, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just facts, right? It's not saying that it is impossible. <sighs> I'm, I'm so happy that Cosmos your number one. It was so ready to not be my number one, though. Just because the fact that there wasn't all that much to, to, to and cheer his arc, for. And his arc was really good towards the end. Like, no joke. Like, it was actually phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, Cosmo's great. So so you've watched all of part one, part two. So season one completed. Um, season I'm two not sure if I'll watch season two. And what's the what, what's the holdup there? There's tons of other shit that I probably want to watch probably. ahead of it. Yeah. I'm not saying that I won't there watch probably it. probably is a lot of other stuff you need to watch that are on, yeah. But I, I, I won't discount it like I previously did. I have to be very honest. I uh, admit that I was like, okay, fine. I'll watch King and Asher because I kind Isn't of... Isn't Solo Leveling coming out later this year? I don't know if they announced... But it should be coming out in 2023. I'm not sure. If it is, that's probably like higher in the pecking order compared to King I mean, there's so many things right yeah 
I'm not. I again, I I, I, the shield I really free. threw away <laughs> a King and Ashura, and like uh, you kind of it wasn't like you you kind of dismissed it from the early age. Because when you said like was... MMA grappling, I'm just like, oh, that doesn't sound like my cup of tea. And when you said 3D, I'm like, that's definitely not my cup of tea. And granted, okay, I'm eating my words slightly, but um, it is a good show. Definitely a good show. And to those who have watched it before and have been dying for a season two, like we all should be pretty excited to you know wait for another four months before we get to watch season two of King and Ashura. Do you think they'll have part one and part two? It'll probably be split. So they would still do two curs. I think. I think two just because, like, I'm thinking about like what they need to adapt to be able to finish the story. So you think four curs would finish it? Probably. Okay. Because there are some parts that can be sped up. I think. I think like if they are going to finish it, then there are certain parts that can cut out. Uh, if they did cut it out, I'd be a little upset. But I can understand that that would be a decision they need to make. Uh, if they don't finish it within the next two curs. Um, Yo, I, I I guess we'll have to expect King and Ash in the final season. Something Just like, like Ultraman final yeah, season. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, I need to watch that. And with that, we are finally at the end of this episode. Wow, can you believe this is the shortest episode we've done in like six months? Well, yeah, that's because we didn't have reading, watching, or news. But we still did quite a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> but you can always reach us through our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L. G-A-P Pallet, right? Or G-A Pallet? G-A Pallet. Uh G A P A L E T T E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, using the handle at palette good, capital P and capital G, all one word. Our GAP Discord server link is also in our show description. We have a website, www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. You should check it out. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is in your by Hasten. Our break music is Botai by Oi. And our outro music is I Don't Mind, the instrumental version by Particle House. You can always support the music artists that we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And our royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sound. And if you're interested, you can always sign up using our referral link that is in the show description. But terms and conditions apply. I didn't think we'd be able to talk this much about CQC and hand-to-hand fighting in anime and manga, but um, clearly, like, even though you're not necessarily someone that gravitates towards that kind of thing, that you've already actually experienced a lot of it, and now that we actually have a platform to talk about it, it's it, it's not hard for you to now sort of break away from the I'm only consuming it from a spectacle perspective, and actually now being like I I can sort of see the technique employed in some of these fighting sequences now i mean it might not still be something that you naturally think about when you're watching anime and manga especially when you're watching shonen action but do you feel that perhaps now there might be like an additional dimension to how you appreciate combat sequences or do you think that it's it's still going to be more rooted in the uh hey if it looks good it looks good i think the latter more than the former unfortunately i don't think it is necessarily a knock or a lack of motivation to understand or comprehend. It's just more of... You're not quite there yet. It's not. I'm not yeah. quite there yet. I don't know if I'll ever go there just because it's just not my 
my my thing. I'm yeah. not. You, like, you don't watch UFC. You don't watch like MMA or like other sort of like yeah, fighting competitions. I have nothing against sport, uh, MMA sports or any of that sort. Like if that, yeah, that's what you're into, awesome. Honestly, um, I will eat my words on Kengan Ashura, but I am not necessarily like super hot and anticipating season two. It's better than what you expected, but right? it is definitely better than what I expected for sure. Yep. And it's definitely worth your time to watch it. Yep. And to anyone that's listening that is sort of like a mix of a anime fan as well as a combat, a combat sports fan, yo, any of the stuff we talked about today is definitely worth your watch. Um, I know that I'm talking to a very, very small minority, but... But we you, knew that from the get-go, right? And even if you're not in that minority, even if you're just someone who just does not give a fuck about this shit, I still think it's worth checking out just to see if you can broaden your exposure to other types of combat and other types of fighting in anime and manga so yeah i guess that's that's generally it yeah i guess uh that's it for today then yeah. we're gonna close this off because uh jason and i have a sparring session now uh we're gonna duke it out and see which one's better um uh, whether it is the jojo series or the monogatari series we never actually declared a winner so we're gonna do it with an arm wrestling match no we should use swords and bento boxes and then uh Go online. No, we, should, we should get samurai swords, like get katanas, and see how many bento boxes we can cut in one swing. No, we need we need to figure out something like ingenious or witty as you press the stop button. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Bye. Bye.